Indianapolis Colts football is on the air. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Lucas Oil Stadium. It's the site of Week 8. It's the Indianapolis Colts and the New Orleans Saints. Minshew out of the gun. In motion right side is Michael Pittman, Jr. Ball in the near hash. And Pittman is wide open on the near flat. He's at the 5, diving for the pylon on the far sideline. Give it to him. No signal yet. There it is. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Michael Pittman, Jr. Derek Carr goes out of the gun. Three receivers left. He backs to throw. He plants. Looking. Taking another shot downfield. It's got a man. And that's a catch. 10-5. Touchdown. Carr and company regroup. Foster Morrow is the fullback in the formation. Offset eye. They give it to Kamara right up the gut. He's at the 10. He's at the 5. And he's in there. Touchdown. Flushing out right side is Minshew. Minshew. Behind the line of scrimmage, taking a shot for the end zone. Has a man. That's Andrew Ogletree. Did he make the catch? He did! He did! It covers 33 yards. Andrew Ogletree from Gardner Minshew. Yes, sir. Touchdown. It's third and 13 here. Derek Carr goes out of the gun. He's going to pass. The Colts bring in heat. He's going to air it out. Downfield has a man open. That's a basket catch. A, a That's Rashid Shahid. And he's down inside the Coca-Cola red zone down to the 16-yard line. Tony Brown in coverage, but he was beat. Shahid has done a lot of damage today to the Colts' corners. Final score on the Ruoff Mortgage scoreboard. It's the Saints 38 and the Colts 27. Town sounded yesterday. Matt Taylor, Rick Venturi was with him. Lara Overton on the Colts' radio network as the New Orleans Saints. We're going to do on this show today. Here's what, guys, I don't want to do, Okay. I don't want this show to replicate what the Colts did yesterday because if that's the case, then we're going to have an awesome show until like 1.30 and then it's over. But we got to go till 3 is the problem, right? Yep. Because that was – yesterday, I'm sitting there, Brendan King sitting next to me. We're talking and I look up, you know, and after the Pittman touchdown that you heard there and then, you know, it's 17-7 – and at that point, you're thinking to yourself, like, okay, they're in pretty good shape, right? I mean, we've talked about the fact, you know, Derek Carr, I think is – I have had a lot of respect for Derek Carr over the course of his career, and I think he throws a really pretty ball, in particular over the middle at times. But he's not a guy that you really think, like, okay, they're going to really rally around and have an offensive explosion here. But then they, they kind of got away – at times, really what jump-started them was other than Derek Carr. And there are – a number of areas that we can get into that the Colts were completely exploited and exposed yesterday. And one of those, I think, leads itself and lends itself towards, I'm going to be like Jim Ursay. Okay? Jim Ursay, as we talked about when it comes to the Colts and ownership of the NFL, I think at times has decided to just appoint himself as the representative of all NFL owners, okay? I'm going to represent all of the media here in Indianapolis today. I'm going to be the one that stands on top of a, a, a lectern right here on Monument Circle and speaks for all the media to address the elephant in the room in terms of the media and the Indianapolis Colts, but I'll do it in a couple of minutes. So before that, on a Monday, Jimmy Cook, how are you? Doing great. 
had the Halloween weekend, right? And now rolling into did you go trick or treating? I did not. No, I think most people still do that on regular Halloween. What, what was the what was the when you were a kid? <laughs> what was the house that if they handed that out? And I don't mean like you always had the dentist that handed out toothbrushes, and you made a mental note of all these places because it was like that's who we're egging next year. But the, you had the the dentist that handed out toothbrushes on on the street that I lived on. There were not one, not two, but three very religious families that handed out like pamphlets um you didn't egg those houses because you know you feared the repercussion but but you certainly made note of it sure. and then you also knew and you made note of who gave out candy bars full size full size right? candy bars is the key yes there was one house that gave out nickels and dimes and then i thought they were really rich and i look at it now and i'm like yeah they were spending like eight bucks but what what was the worst candy to get? The, to me, there's a definitive number one answer here. There's no there is no answer that's correct other than this. When people handed this out, you literally, even at the age of five, dressed as Casper the Friendly Ghost, you literally looked at the people and you're like, "Dude, are you kidding me? Are you serious? What was it? Almond Joys? No, Almond Joys are fabulous. Yeah, not a big fan. Well, you don't like coconut then, right? You're so not, not a big not a big coconut guy. No. What's that? You're alone then. I'm with Jimmy. No, Almond Joys. Look. Almond Joys are like your chai tea. You either love it or you hate it. Hate right? it. Well, I mean, that's fine. That you, but, I mean, there are other ways that you guys can confess to being sociopaths. But <laughs> Almond Joys are fabulous. The, the one, hands down, and it made me, there were two points in my life that were truly sad moments, aside from yesterday's Colts game. One was when I one time stopped by my parents' house on Halloween, and they had the, the little bowl in front with the note that was like, we're not home, but please just take one. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my parents have become those people. Uh, the other one is when I found out that my grandparents at one point apparently handed out on Halloween the orange and black wax-papered peanut butter taffies. Those were the absolute worst when you got those, it was like immediate. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I didn't, I didn't dump them in the yard, but I'm just saying. None of those are in my core memories, but yeah, if I got that, I'd be pretty upset. They they were awful. Carl knows what I'm talking about. Carl's back there. Like, yeah, I hear you. Uh, Carl, who's hanging out with us today. Okay, so uh, Eddie Garrison, good weekend for you. Uh, yes, sir. Solid weekend. Had a nice little night out Saturday night for the first time in a while. But oh, really, what yeah. did the night out consist of? Um, going out. Okay. What'd you too late huh going out too late did you drink too much i did not drink too much okay. one may say i didn't drink enough i just wondered because it seems as though you can't recall the events of saturday night uh, no i can't i just don't know how much i want to indulge in the events of okay, saturday fair night. enough well here's what happened yesterday that to me was a confession for all media okay i'm going to and this is what i hope people realize out of this program and it is querying company thank you for listening to us here on a monday on 93.5107.5 the fan it is my hope that people realize that if nothing else, I will at least always try to be consistent and transparent. Okay? I read my driving record on the air the other day. Try to be transparent. I also try to be consistent because nothing drives me crazier when I listen to radio than when I hear a host that is talking about some topic and you're like, wait a minute, that's totally the antithesis of what you said yesterday. Like, just admit when you're wrong. I will admit in this fact a hypocrisy of local media. All of it. Everybody that we talked to, virtually everyone. For those that were watching the game yesterday, that listened to this show, that listened to other shows, that, that watch television, that read about the Colts, I'm here as the representative. I have, a, I have appointed myself as the pool reporter term that we taught everybody about last week for all the media and saying this. When it comes to Jonathan Taylor, we were wrong. And we are now hypocrites. We are all hypocrites. 
Some of the fan base also, but certainly the media, because maybe the fan base narrative was being driven by the hypocrisy that we now expand upon for the people of Indianapolis and the fans of the Colts. Because, Jimmy, when Jonathan Taylor showed up at training camp and said he had a tweaked back, and then Jonathan Taylor showed up at training camp and said that he had a bad ankle, when Jonathan Taylor was walking around on the sidelines at training camp at Grand Park in Westfield with his hoodie on and his hands inside of the pockets of it, walking around next to Chris Ballard, what did we say on this show? What did we read in articles? What did we talk about with Kevin on the morning show? The running back position is devalued, and he is creating a false narrative and claiming to have a value to this team that merits him holding out because the game has gotten away from the running back. The game's gotten away from the running back. It's not a valuable part, unfortunately, of the NFL in 2023. Dime a dozen, fungible position, and Jonathan Taylor is making a case here that is not going to hold merit because the Colts are going to show the market value of a running back. Go out and find it, Jonathan. You want to find somebody that pays you $14 million? Find them. Guess what? That person actually, that franchise, was right there under his own nose because the Colts ultimately caved and maybe that's because maybe the Colts caved and gave him what he wanted 14 million a year because maybe just maybe deep down the Colts knew better about what was going to win than did we but did they because when it came down to it yesterday the best player on the football field for the Indianapolis Colts was Jonathan Taylor and in the second half he touched the ball uno times once once And so it's difficult for us as local media and as representatives wearing the badge that get to cover the Colts and go to the games. It is hypocritical of us to sit here and expand and expound and and bang the drum all day saying that part of the reason the Colts lost the game is because they got away from Jonathan Taylor when in fact we're the same that we're preaching the fact that putting all your eggs in the basket of Jonathan Taylor is not how you win in 2023 and they shouldn't pay him. I thought we were in agreement and maybe I'm wrong on this, and you're right, locally, as you combine all the takes that happened this summer, the thought was you don't need to pay a running back. But I had thought this show in particular was on the side of, well, what they paid for him is probably about right. Where I was going to lose my mind was if it was what was rumored, never confirmed, but rumored he was looking for a 15 16 well, $17 million dollar your, your deal. I mean, he got 14 which sure. is, you know, I mean... Okay, and so instead of a, a BMW 725, they gave him a 535 Turbo. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, But my point being, from a schematic, philosophical standpoint, sure. I, I, maybe it's just me, but I will admit to it. I mean, I'm not saying maybe I'm the only one that will admit. No, I was, maybe I was wrong the about their defense. Like, like, but what I'm saying is this. I was, we were, I was absolutely wrong, apparently. It would be wrong of me. What My point is simply this. It would be wrong and hypocritical of me to sit here today and pound on the Indianapolis Colts for not utilizing Jonathan Taylor enough yesterday and say that utilizing Jonathan Taylor is what would have won them the football game. That would be hypocritical for me in terms of the fact that when Jonathan Taylor was in a contract negotiation, I was one of those that would re- was repeatedly saying, putting your eggs in the basket of a running back is not how you win in 2023. If it's not, then it's unfair for me today to say yesterday they didn't utilize him enough. But that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a hypocrite because yesterday in the beginning of the game, now you could certainly make the argument that New Orleans took Jonathan Taylor away. 
that the looks they were coming out with, the formations they were doing, the stunts they were doing took Jonathan Taylor out of the equation. But the Colts didn't even try to test it. And that is one area that you could say that they got beat. The other is this. The other is the fact that in terms of the defensive secondary, literally, Petey, the Pacers' pink flamingo, who is sitting in studio with us today because the Pacers are coming off a win, Petey probably can actually provide as much coverage on the corner as they got yesterday out of Brown. And that's on one leg for Petey, right? Yeah. That's it, Petey standing on one leg. Here's why you're absolved of the guilt of hypocrisy. They paid him. They made the decision to do that. And to follow it up by we're week eight now and the snap distribution between the two of them is not a significant gap. It was 61 to 40 or 61, I think 39 yesterday. And on top of that, in crunch time or late in that game, final 28 plays of the game, it's not Jonathan Taylor getting carries, it's Zach Moss. So I agree with you, Jake. There's some like guilt there of, oh, how hypocritical do we sound if we come at the Colts for not utilizing him? That hypocrisy for me is washed away when they made the decision to pay him and then are not making the decision to play him. Five carries after the first quarter, two total touches in the second half. Zach Moss has out-touched Jonathan Taylor in the last five quarters of play. Here's the thing. When it comes down to it, in the end, the and it's difficult for me to say this because... I love the passion people have for the Indianapolis Colts in this town for a number of reasons. Number one, seeing my mom wanting to go downtown and run around Monument Circle in 10-degree weather to celebrate with other fans that the Colts won the Super Bowl was a joy that I will forever be grateful for that being provided. I know what it means to people in this town. I grew up here. And I know how invested people are, both financially and emotionally, in the team. And as a result of that, then the the offshoot of that is it allows us to have jobs to a great extent. So I don't want to lead people down the path of drinking the water of ambivalence. But we knew going into the year that this year the only the only thing that we wanted to see out of the Colts was be interesting. Be interesting. You've got a, you, you drafted a new franchise quarterback, a young guy that you're handing over the keys to. And so Let's see where we are. Let's see where we need to build. And let's just let's just hope they're interesting and they get good draft picks. Well, Anthony Richardson's out for the year. Gardner Minshew is a serviceable backup. That's kind of interesting. They're hanging around games. That's interesting. People are going down there. That's interesting. But so you so you say to yourself, they're pretty much on par with at the beginning of the year what we wanted, which was be entertaining, but at the same time, don't screw up the possibility of getting future assets and high draft picks to build around the rookie quarterback where they're starting at the ground floor. But what I don't think people anticipated, Jimmy, was, and yes, they've been hurt by injuries. We could sit here and bang on Chris Ballard all day long about the fact that their defensive backfield, Tony Brown, as far as I know, Tony Brown was a point guard for Indiana in the early 80s, right? <laughs> like, that's the Tony Brown I think of. I'm like, wow, this guy's still around? He was on the Indiana 82 team. That's impressive. That's the Tony Brown I think of, right? And you could sit there and bang on Chris Ballard for like, what are they doing putting these DBs out there? Except for, 
Dallas Flowers out for the year. Juju Brent's hurt. Isaiah Rogers had the over-under on both those guys being out. And so they're all three gone. But so from you know, in terms of the offseason, it's not like they never addressed the corner position. They invested in the defensive backfield in the draft itself. One of the guys doesn't even make the roster. But once Flowers went down, they 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 basically have sat on their hands, and now you're they're paying the price for it. The areas that the one thing to me that's frustrating is the areas that we and the media in speaking for fans have been clamoring for for the Colts to address and build depth in and then get kind of snubbed by Chris Ballard and his southern drawl kind of batty-eye arrogance. Those are the areas, to be honest with you, that actually, guess what, color me shocked, are becoming an issue. Now, in fairness to him, as I just addressed, some of the stuff that that happened with their defensive backfield, I mean, you, you don't plan on that going into camp. You would plan that a guy that you drafted would make the roster. But in terms of injuries or even the, the betting thing with Rodgers, which happened before camp as well, you know, in those areas, some of that is, is, is not their fault. But they had no depth. They, they seemingly had no b- plan B or C. And then the other is the receiver position, which, uh, you know, it, it's been okay. I mean, Alec Pierce is starting to show a little bit. Clearly, Josh Downs is going to be a player. Yes. But the areas that – defensive backfield, I mean, my mom – who I love the fact that she was able to run around on the cold and celebrate the cold Super Bowl championship. My mom knew that the defensive backfield was going to be of question. And they've been torched, torched. Like I'm going to be, I'm going on vacation starting tomorrow after the show. I'm only saying that so people know that the rest of the week, Brian, I think is going to yep. bring us home, right? I'm going to be in Belgium on Friday. Okay. I got two choices for breakfast in Belgium. The first thing, if you're in Belgium, what do you have for breakfast? Clearly. Waffles. Correct. Belgian waffles, that right? That felt like a trap. The, the I other, won't lie to you. No. The other, I just got an email from the, the hotel. I just got an email. They have Belgian waffles, right? Sure. And then the other thing, new thing they have, Tony Brown toast. Because he's totally toast. That guy got roasted yesterday. He had as much business being out there. as The guy they had at halftime to come out and field punts for charity or whatever, or for, for you know pizza coupons, that guy actually caught like four of the punts. He looked more competent on the field than the Colts' backup corner did in the second half. Totally torched. Toast. Toast, right? I mean, sorry. Reality. And it's an area that we've been clamoring for. And whose fault and that is part's it? Frustrating. Whose fault is it? It's not Tony Brown's fault. It's not. I mean, I, I guess some of the blame could be on Gus Bradley, but I had quote tweeted this last night. Chris Bauer looked frustrated, apparently, in the bowels of Lucas Oil. What point are we looking at the mirror for why the issues are there? And I understand they're rightfully so for probably any general manager in his spot. There was a grace period with luck. I get that because you. Felt like you had a plan in place, and then you had to adjust on the fly. Jimmy. I get it, but at what point do you sit back and look, maybe we have a franchise quarterback, I don't trust him to build around him. If we were going to get in the DeLorean with the 1.21 gigawatts at 88 miles an hour, and we're going to go forward to the year 2052, okay? It's the year 2052, okay? The Colts have suffered a disappointing loss at home to the... Uh, a disappointing loss at home. London Monarchs. Yeah, exactly. To the the Amsterdam Admirals, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. And they're taking phone calls, mm-hmm. okay? Now, in 2052, I'm going to be 80 years old, okay? 
over under on that tenure at this point on the company I'd Prob- say. probably not around okay I could tell so I'm certainly not going to be on the radio and the odds I'm walking earth slim to none but in this little hypothetical we go forward so they're taking phone calls on why the Colts just lost to the to the Amsterdam London Monarchs sure in in the NFL season and they are now actually in the they're in last place in the AFC North America division and they're taking phone calls and the first guy that calls in goes I just want to say uh, I'm disappointed yesterday in the coats but I'm going to give Chris Ballard in year 58 a free pass because Andrew Luck quit at some point the expiration date comes on that right it's been too long that two years in the NFL is an eternity yes right an eternity Chris Ballard right now and this isn't – by no means am I wanting this to turn into some, like, let's shred Chris Ballard because the Colts lost to the Saints. But the reality is 48-57-1. Right? Yeah. Andrew Luck quit. I, I get it. We're on, like, quarterback four since then. Right? And I and it's about Anthony Richardson now, and so as a result of that, the window gets pushed to another three no, years of The only project. person in that building that deserves that type of pass is Shane Steichen because he's new. Like, he deserves it. I get it. The old stereotype is if you have a new quarterback in, both the coach and the GM deserve a free pass. I don't know if it's this year. I don't know if it's next year. But at some point, if Anthony Richardson is really the guy, you need to have full trust in who is putting the weapons around him. And I don't. The thing agreed with that, Jimmy, because let me piggyback off that. The thing to me that is intriguing, eh, frustrating maybe, but intriguing, And I guess the question to ask Colts fans would be this. Because it does feel like yesterday was kind of a boulder in the stream. Between the Colts and the Saints, you have two teams that I think were headed towards a fork in the road. And the year was going to kind of be determined for one of those two teams based on yesterday's result. Yeah, we mentioned that last week. New Orleans moves into a situation now where they're leading their division. Bad division. Probably the worst two divisions in the league might be the, the two that were represented yesterday. And then the Colts lose that game, and now they're in the bottom of their relatively weak division. Okay, South is wrapped. By the way, if it wasn't wrapped last week, it's done. It's Correct. over. Yeah. Like it's Jacksonville's it's already planning the parade. Yes. Right? Yeah. So, which goes around the 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 Maxwell House factory in Jacksonville, and then back to the stadium because that's the but <laughs> but nonetheless the the challenge or the intriguing thing for the Colts is this. If this year now is starting to focus on, okay, now it's about building towards the future. The two core areas where we were told to believe in what Chris Ballard could build were offensive line, prowess, and pass rush. And those are the two areas that he has probably invested more than any other area of the football roster. And yet, their pass rush, uh, competent but not great, and their offensive line depth, not great and, and not always competent. Those two areas, the two, the two, the two so far, basically reports that are in are okay, do you trust then that that means this is the person to build the roster at all positions around Anthony Richardson? Clearly, Jim Mersey believes in Chris Ballard. And I think there and, and a lot of people around the league believe in Chris Ballard. I get it. The best thing to happen to Chris Ballard, the best thing ever to happen to Chris Ballard, the best thing ever to happen to him 
was the day Andrew Luck walked off that field after a preseason game against the Bears. Best thing ever to happen to him. Because. You got a security blanket. Got a built-in excuse if things started to flounder. For four years, yeah. and then when, yep. you're, when you're on, when your Band-Aids didn't work, they had one Band-Aid they went out and got. Like, Jacoby Brissett was Band-Aid one, because that was the Band-Aid that was in the cabinet, right? So you put it on. Yep. Okay, great. Then they're like, we're going to go out and get Philip Rivers. And you knew, actually, it was a, it was one of the flex Band-Aids, one of the new ones, right? Yep. The, I mean, those are nice, right? Yep. Except for... That band-aid, when they, when they put it on, it had an expiration date that was in a week. And they're like, I can get two weeks out of this band-aid. And then the band-aid said, well, no, my expiration date came. I told you it was only going to be one week. And I'm like, oh, gosh darn it. So then they went out and they bought one of those like really cute, funzy uh, band-aids that, that had like SpongeBob SquarePants on it. Mm-hmm. And it was Carson Wentz. Yep. And it was like, this is the new fashionable high design band-aid that like the last owner decided they didn't like SpongeBob anymore, but it's really going to work for us. And they put it on and immediately it got a rash and everything went like it was the, the entire wound looked terrible. And so you got rid of it. And now you have one that looks like it is a no longer a Band-Aid. You don't need a Band-Aid anymore because Anthony Richardson's that guy. But you have to build around him. And the question is, do they have the pieces? Do they have the guy to get the pieces? And I'm not saying they don't. But so far, yesterday illuminated the areas of concern that would give you cause to think there's precedent that perhaps it should be questioned what they build around him. Simple as that. Uh, Indiana, by the way, played yesterday in basketball. They also played in football over the weekend. Don Fisher going to join us, and he will do so next. We'll talk about exactly that. Mike Chappell on the program today as well, the dean talking about the Colts. So a busy Monday. We look forward to spending it with you for the next couple of hours. Query and Company, 93.5-1075, The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Halfway past 12 o'clock, halfway to 1 o'clock for that matter, Don Fisher joining us now on the program to talk about Indiana athletics and I think actually primarily basketball is what I'm curious about to this point. But Don, I'll begin um, with football. John and I did a show together uh, on Saturday in Shelbyville and then I left there so I was able to listen to the vast majority of that fourth quarter and I could tell you know, just from the broadcast standpoint, I mean, that was that was a tough one because it, it really did feel like that was maybe the best of Indiana for the vast majority of that game against Penn State and then Penn State makes plays down the stretch. But not even from a physical standpoint, but emotionally speaking, how challenging is it going to be for Indiana to get off the mat after that one? Because that was one that would have been mammoth and it was within reach. No question it was, uh, Jake. I, I, you know, my gut, though, is that the fact that Indiana bounced back from some very poor performances leading up to that ball game and playing with a team that's ranked 10th in the country, whether they're that good or not, but they're ranked there, and obviously they were unbeaten going into their game against Ohio State the week before um, and gave Ohio State a battle. I think, I think because of that, I think this team maybe comes out of it with more confidence or more of a belief that they can play with these people, which might help them down the last four games of the season. Now, that, that doesn't mean that it turns things around because at this juncture, uh, you can't turn it around unless you win the last four. But the, the fact of the matter is, I, I do believe that the game 
avoid the competence of this football team. There's a belief there again that they can't play with people, and they they got to find a way to finish, which has always been an issue at Indiana for many years now, to finish ball games and to do it in the right way and to, and to find a way to win those ball games. And again, Saturday was proof positive that that hasn't happened yet at Indiana. But at the same time. You got to believe that these guys played a lot better. They certainly played better than they had in the recent weeks, and for that reason alone, I just have more confidence that this team could turn things around. Don, I know that starting quarterback Brennan Soresby gets banged up in that game, but but plays through a shoulder injury. How can you build on a performance like that for him in his young career? And what were your takeaways of him gutting it out and staying out there for the Hoosiers? I think that's another big plus for Brendan in the sense of what he showed in that ball game because he took a pretty good pop. Uh, looked like he was his shoulder was dinged a little bit, his throwing shoulder, incidentally, and he comes back and the very next play throws a touchdown pass to Omar Cooper in which he had to thread the needle on that one a little bit and just a tremendous job by Omar Cooper to pull it in and then score the touchdown. So it got Indiana back in the ball game. I think that probably helped his confidence level, if nothing else, the rest of the team's confidence level in him, because uh, I think he showed that he's a tough kid, number one. Number two, um, I think he has progressed. He's made progress each of the games that he's played. It hasn't been perfect by any stretch, but I do think that they've showed, uh, he's showed a pretty significant amount of improvement over the last three ball games now. Don Fisher, the voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, is our guest on the program. Don, when we talked about the basketball program last week you had mentioned, uh, and I think you speak for a lot of Indiana fans with this, that you were really intrigued to see what Indiana could get this year out of Khalil Ware, who was the transfer from Oregon and was a big-time recruit uh, for the Ducks before coming to Indiana. 14 yesterday in Indiana or over the weekend in Indiana's exhibition win over UND. Probably difficult to determine a lot from that exhibition, Indiana winning by 22. But he did lead him in scoring, and it does look like, as of now, Mike Woodson's got a pretty stout uh, front line. What were your overall impressions from that matchup? Well, I think the the first thing was the the first half was uh, you could throw that out because I thought the first 20 minutes were – uh, a, a basketball team that just looked like they were in disarray. I mean, they I think they were nervous. I think they were a little, uh, they had a lot of butterflies going into this thing. And it was primarily because of the young guys and the new guys on this roster uh, not having been in this environment before. And I think that they anticipated this was going to be something special in that regard. Um and at the same time, you got to give University of Indianapolis credit because Parker Saro's team did a really good job of making things tough in the first half defensively uh, against an Indiana team that, like I said, offensively just looked like they were kind of out there playing pickup ball. And that doesn't mean that they didn't plan on playing a, a sophisticated game of basketball, but they just I just think that they were discombobulated, I guess is as good a word as any, to say that they just weren't out there in their right personality or the right thinking process going into this contest. And then it all changed in the second half because they went, they started going inside to Malik. Uh, they went inside to Khalil a couple of times. Uh, and there's little doubt in my mind that this team has the talent to be a really good ball club down the, down the pike. But they are going to have to improve in a lot of different areas. And Mike Woodson has already said, we've got a tremendous amount of work to do. And I agree with that. 
but at the same time, I do think that they've shown they've got some ability out there. Don, I've heard this pronounced both ways, so I'm going to ask for clarification. Um, Malik Renew or Renault? Well, we all think it was Renault before we found out that it was Renew. <laughs> That's like Antoine so, Bethea for the Colts, right? It was Bethea, and then one day he's like, by the way, it's Bethea. We're like, oh, okay, sorry. Um, so we'll say Malik. How's that? Um, yeah, it's Malik Renew, and I'll tell you one other. Khalil is how you pronounce Ware's first name, Khalil. Okay, Khalil Ware and Malik Renew. Now, Renew is an interesting player to me, though, Don, because clearly we saw last year flashes of what he can be, but also I think he understood that that front line belonged to Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson a year ago, and, and he was a really good spot player when called upon. What is his ceiling or expectation for this year? Well, I, I think his ceiling is, is way up there. I don't think there's any question he's got talent. He's got great feel inside. He's got a great touch inside. Uh, he's got good footwork down low. Um, he's 6'9", he's strong, he's at about 235 pounds. Uh, he's one of those kids that just has a terrific upside, and he's got a chance to be a very special player at Indiana. The thing, that, the thing right now that's going to be interesting is, is he going to be the go-to guy in some respects, uh, especially when they go inside. Where at this juncture is still a young guy that's still learning, he's still trying to figure out Mike Woods a little bit. He still has to work at how hard he works on the floor, how how quickly he gets up and down, those kinds of things. The, the, always the knock on him in Oregon was that he was a guy that didn't play as hard as you thought he should, uh, didn't seem to be as motivated as he could have been. He ended up being on the bench the last two-thirds of the season because of that. And so when he came to Indiana, he was looking for a new start. But he also has to change his thinking process and what he's looking to do because the guy's got all the skill level in the world. I mean, everybody has talked about him being a guy that has all that five-star capability coming out of high school. Uh, he's got a skill set that's rare for seven-foot guys. And, but the only thing that's missing at this point is his motivation, or at least at this juncture, it appears his motivation and his being self-motivated to work at the game as hard as you have to work at it to become as good as you could be. He did score 14 points in the ball game. He didn't dominate, however. And at the same time, you've got Peyton Sparks out there. He's banging against him every practice. And I'm telling you, Peyton Sparks is a tough dude. He is 6'9", 250 pounds, 260 maybe. Uh, and he is just a big, physically tough kid. Uh, and when you're battling a guy like he and Renew both, you better learn very quickly that the Big Ten is just like that every single ball game, and therefore you're going to have to get stronger too, and that's another area he's got to improve in. And Peyton Sparks coming from Ball State, where he was an all-Mac performer, so the track record's there that he knows how to play. Don, another guy that I wanted to ask you about because I'm a, it's of interest. You know, I find him interesting and intriguing. Is the kid out of Indianapolis, C.J. Gunn, and just in terms of. It would, it, would, it would appear as though this year he's going to get an opportunity uh, for an increased role and become part of the rotation. Um, your overall thoughts, I guess, on just the role this year for C.J. Gunn? Well, I think it's all up to him what his role is going to be. Uh, the big thing about C.J. is he's a terrific athlete. He's six six. He's long and athletic. He's not afraid to play defense. He really hustles out there on the court. Uh, the big question mark on C.J., can he hit shots consistently? Because last year, uh, coming into 
his freshman year at Indiana, known as a shooter out of high school, he didn't prove that. Uh, and he's not afraid to take a shot. I can tell you that. Uh, he will shoot it up there whenever he gets an opportunity. But they've got to start going down. And I think CJ has got the tools to do that. But again, he hasn't proved it yet. And at the, at the same time, I think he's a very confident kid. So we'll see exactly how he progresses. I do think he's got a terrific upside as well. But shots go to be a real critical thing for him. Voice the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, taking some time with us here on Query and Company. Don, 15 to 18, the edge and points in the paint to the Hoosiers. When you look at high-level contributors for this team, five of them are six, eight or greater, how much of IU's success this year is going to be winning and dominating in some cases that points, points in the paint margin? You're right. I mean, when you've got that kind of size, you ought to be able to take advantage of it. No question about that. But I think the real key in this season is just exactly what kind of play they get out of that point guard position in Xavier Johnson and Gabe Cups. And I will tell you this, from what I've seen thus far, Xavier Johnson is playing at a very high level. He's doing the things Coach Woodson wants him to do. Gabe Cups coming in as a freshman. I don't know if you saw any of the game yesterday, and you probably didn't because the exhibition games don't draw a lot of attention. But Gabe Cups was as good a defender on the floor as anybody out there yesterday because of how hard he works at it. He is nonstop, 24-7. He's a gym rat. He's in the building all the time. Uh, he's got a basketball IQ that's above most every other basketball player, maybe even in the Big Ten. He's just that smart. And I know there are a couple of kids that Purdue could arguably, or at least Braden Smith, you would say, was another guy that's just like him in that regard. But I love this kid, just watching him practice and scrimmages. I've seen him lead the second team over the, the, the first team on two different occasions um, because of what he does as a point guard. So I think that's going to be a big factor for this ball club. And if, if they're going to have success, you've got to have that point guard play. And right now I think they've got two guys that can give it to them. You know, Don, it's I'm going to be at the Pacer game tonight. And to me, IU and the Pacers are similar to one another in the fact that in both cases it does feel like the elevator is going up. You know what I mean? There's a lot of optimism and clearly some good young players that I think are going to be fun to watch. It's just a matter of seeing how they kind of mesh and, and, and how long it takes. In your opinion, having seen a lot of college basketball, you need to go how many games into a college basketball season when you have new faces before you truly get a feel of who they are? Well, I, I think at this juncture, uh, it's hard to judge that, but I would argue that that's what the non-conference portion of the schedule is for. And even though you've got a couple of Big Ten games in there, they do give you you know areas or levels that you can get to at a certain point in the season. And, you know, I don't like to predict things like that because you never know how things are going to play out from an injury standpoint, how the team will mesh, especially with six new faces on the ball club. But I would say this, that the talent level is there. Woodson, obviously, is a, a terrific coach. He knows what he's doing. He wants defense first. I love that. Uh, the offense that they played in the first half yesterday didn't even look like an offense. It looked like they were playing street ball. And then in the second half, it completely turned around. All I can tell you is um, I, I think this team has a lot of potential, but potential doesn't win you ball games. It's whether or not you can coalesce as a team or not. And right now, we have to wait to see if that can happen. 
Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, taking time with us each and every Monday. Exhibition for IU on November 3rd against Marion. Eight days away from basketballs, thankfully. Finally being back with us, of course, IU Wisconsin on the IU Radio Network on the football side of things this weekend. Don, always enjoy catching up with you. Looking forward to talking next week. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. See ya. Appreciate it, Don. Uh, Florida Gulf Coast, by the way, November 7th for Indiana. I remember when they went to the Sweet 16 Florida Gulf Coast when Andy Enfeld was coaching him before he went to USC. Um, Dunk City. I, it's for, yeah, first time I looked up their campus. Yeah. Have you ever looked at their campus? I have. You're like, <laughs> okay. Like, what? So let me, Mr. Query, why did you choose Florida Gulf Coast? Well, they went to the Sweet 16. I looked up the campus online. Well, you know that you're actually an English major and this is strictly a math school. Doesn't matter. You got to talk at some point in those classes, right? <laughs> I have no idea what kind of school it is. All I know is when I saw the pictures, it didn't seem to be a relevant factor. <laughs> um, trade deadline is upon us in the NFL. And should the Colts be poised to make some moves? We'll examine next. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. I, f- I feel bad talking over the guitar part where it says sweet emotion. I agree. Because doesn't everybody want to hear that part? Yes. It's by far the coolest part of the song. Podcast audience can't hear it, though, so you're at least good on that count. <laughs> okay. Well, they're wondering why I'm just sitting there. Why is that guy just sitting stoically? Why is he talking? Well, I wanted to hear the the guitar part of Sweet Emotion. Uh, Good afternoon to you. Thank you to Don Fisher, by the way, on a Monday. Colts yesterday, losers to... That sounds so harsh. They're on the short end of the New Orleans Saints. They were losers, right? They are. And I told you last week, if it wasn't for Carolina, that's the only thing that stopped me from saying this. But I told you that was a barometer game. Where's my faith that they can beat anybody else, not on the schedule, but specifically in that division? Because I don't think the Saints are. I think the Saints are an okay football team. You mentioned at the start of the show they were at a fork in the road. One team was going to go one way, one team's going to go the other. Doesn't mean the Saints couldn't still go in reverse. It does feel like it was a game that was more needed for New Orleans than Indianapolis, yes. though, because the expectation is different. Correct. You got the one and six Panthers, Frank Reich revenge game, but the one and six Panthers all the same coming up this week. Fresh off a walk off, Eddie Pinheiro had to kick it three times, twenty three yarder. What a game that was. What games did you watch? I mean, obviously you watched, I'm assuming, Kansas City. Yeah, Denver, I did. Right? I watched that game, yeah. I did. What was, it, what was the deal there? Was it just cold? Did Mahomes I, had the flu. Look, Mahomes had a tummy ache, is that it? Pat had a tummy ache, and there's concerns, legitimate concerns about if a team is able to take away Kelsey. Taylor Swift wasn't there. She wasn't there as well. In real football reasons, is their wide receiver core good? That's the That's the question. Are they good enough to get open? Does he trust them? Like, there was a lot of trust missing between quarterback and wide receiver yesterday. Uh, game I got the most cruel. Why am I watching this, but I'm going to watch it anyway? Any guesses? Anybody? Why am I watching this, but I'm watching it anyway? I don't know which games were Sunday on. Night was football? The game. I'll go with. No, that was on the background, but that, that fits that uh, criteria. I'll go with Packers Vikings. No. Jets Giants. Oh, it was so bad. Nobody wanted to win that game, and the fact that we got free football out of it because Zach Wilson led the Jets down the field in 20 seconds. It was the game where you don't want it to go to overtime, but you almost kind of do because of how bad it was. I told you, the NFC East 
It was ten to three. When I think of any any of the teams, not even the NFC East or the AFC East, just the Eastern Seaboard. When I think of games, I'm convinced. I'm convinced. The old in East Rutherford, the old Giant Stadium. Okay, MetLife Stadium now or whatever it's called, Foxborough in New England, which is technically like halfway to Providence, right? Um, for that matter, Washington. I'm convinced they've never once had sunshine in a game. It is 40 and raining and just abysmal. Like anytime those games are on television, they should play nothing but the cure as the bump music. Well, the Monday night game where Rogers ruptured or tore his Achilles, there was no rain. And what happened? He tore his Achilles. Yeah, a cloud formed on the entire season. That's my point. It is literally like when I think about the NFC East and the Giants and the and the, the formerly the Redskins, the Commanders, the Cowboys are excluded here. But when I think of those games, the Philadelphia Eagles, any of those games, I think about being 17 years old, 60 minutes getting ready to come on, except for on the West Coast, nice. and and it being rainy and drizzly out, and I'm like, ugh, I have to get up in the morning. It's like depression overload when I think of those teams. I'll stand up for the Commanders yesterday. They were the only one of those teams, and they happened to play Philadelphia and Washington where there was some sunshine, though they lost. But there was sunshine. I'm convinced if you were on the FBI's 10 most wanted list and was on the and you were on the Commanders roster, you'd stay on the list. They wouldn't find you. They're actually using it as a witness. Did watch their games? It's it's a witness protection program double, actually, believe it or not. The the Washington football team was actually, yeah, just feds, right? Yep. Ron Rivera has security clearance. Uh, Mike Chappell will join us next, and we will get into the trade deadline. Should the Colts be shopping or should they be actually putting stuff up on eBay? We'll let you know next. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Mike Chappell, of course, covers the Colts for CBS4, WXIN, Fox 59, joins us on the program. And Mike, typically we would lead off by rehashing the game from the day before, and we will certainly do that here in this conversation. But I want to begin actually by going forward for 24 hours or so. Do you anticipate with the NFL trade deadline approaching – that the Colts will be active, and by active I mean proactive, regarding the trade deadline. Oh, maybe. I mean, it's not been there. I mean, yeah, they you know they, they got Zach Moss last year, sending Naheem Hines. I, I, I maybe something like that. I, I don't know. I, I, I think a lot of people, and some have written about it as, hey, this this season's going nowhere. We'll start dumping players in their contract year, and I understand that. Maybe they will. I, I, I that's not what they've done. Uh, but boy, if you if you can get something for a player that's not going to be here next year and it can help you shore up your draft capital, I wouldn't be opposed. Uh, but but there's only to me a few players that are going to get you much. The Forrest Buckner would get you a bunch. He, he's a stud. The guy's a player. It's just with Buck. It, it's great that he's their best pass, their best pass rusher. He shouldn't be their best pass rusher. That's that, and he is, and that that's just not right. Uh, Zach Moss might get just something, 
I don't know, I, I, and I don't know what something is. You know, Gardner Minshew. What, what if the Minnesota comes in? They they would like to have Gardner Minshew. You know, of course that's going to rip out your quarterback room. But I, I almost would say, so what? I mean, you have, you know where you're going. So, but 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 if you start doing that, let, let's say you get rid of two or three players, any more. Yeah, let's let's get rid of the one solid corner they got that that would you know that would but, but what would happen is what the, the message to your fan base is look yeah it, you had to paint a picture of that you're tanking this year but hey next year we're getting the quarterback back and we're going to do this that and the other and all that but walk in that locker room and tell the players the veteran players that are still here that you just got rid of two or three players who are still really good players and you know the reaction would be pretty bad, but you know that that's what that that's what you have to do. Decide on where you are, where you're going to be, and we always thought that 2024 was the season anyway. With, with Richardson, it's just that the, the way he played early, it gave everyone, hey, this this isn't a dump off here. This this could be something, and the way he played, and even even with. So when he goes down, those games are so doggone winnable, Cleveland and, and, and Sunday, and now it's not. I mean, all, all to me, all they can do now is is are they winning six games, seven games, or are they, if they really good to get? Do they win eight games? This still isn't a tough schedule, but you can't do what they've been doing and beat much of anybody. So I I don't know. I, maybe a, a move or two, but I just don't know that the fan base that's already shut the door on this year being, you know, significant as far as one loss. I don't I don't think they're gonna be satisfied. I really don't. Mike Chappell of Fox 89 and CBS four is our guest. Chap, I'm not saying I want to see this happen and I know if I ask you, well, hey, if they if somebody gave up a ton of picks for player A, could they do it? Yeah, of course. If the offer's right a team would consider right. it. So I'll ask it this way. Have the Colts seen enough out of Michael Pittman Jr to know if he should be a part of the Anthony Richardson era or if maybe he's valuable enough to get assets that could help them in the long term? Yeah, I, Stephen Holder and I, we always had this discussion. I, I think he's been the one, along with Alec Pierce to a lesser degree because of the shorter career, I think he's the one been impacted the most by this moving around quarterbacks and, you know, and all this and not really being able to see how you can use him? Eight catches for forty yards is is that's that's not what, what does that that does move the needle? And yeah, you got the touchdown, but so I don't know. I, that that's a good question. I think he needs. It's funny, Rick Venturi and I we had a spirited discussion last week about this, and we're on different islands when it comes to Pittman, and that's fine. I mean, he he and I agree on a lot, but this one we don't. And if you take the approach to getting rid of him, who 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 are you placing him with? It's just not so easy. It's easy to get rid of guys. It just really is. And it's harder to replace him. But Pittman is more complicated because the position and and the cost. It's going to at the bare minimum next year. You're going to pay him twenty two point nine million. That's the franchise tag. That's bare minimum. And if you want a long-term deal, you're probably going to cost you a couple more million a year. And he knows, I believe he knows, 
that if he hits the open market, he's going to get $25 million a year. And is this team going to invest that kind of cap you know, budget in Michael Pittman? I don't know. So it's a good question. And, again, if you get rid of him, this all has to be about developing the roster around Anthony Richardson, even though he's not here right now. It's about getting better receivers, more receivers. Josh Downs is a keeper. Alec Pierce, I, I'm not giving up on him yet. Uh, but if you get rid of if you get rid of Pitt, I mean, you've just gutted the, you've just gutted it. And, and then what do you do? So it, it's I understand what you're saying, but it's it, it's so much harder to replace a guy that you think should be more when you're part of the reason that he hasn't been more. Uh, it's a, but that, that's why these guys spend so much time, and that's why they are in the position they are. They've got to make those decisions. But this is, you know, you, you don't trade Jonathan Taylor. He, he's got to be part. You, you made the decision that he's part of the future, the short-term future, three years or whatever. Four, I guess he's locked up for, for three more years. You know, I, I don't care about Jonathan Taylor at age 30. I really don't because chances are he won't be here. But for the next two or three years, he he very much should be part of this offense. And if you're so willing to get rid of Michael Pittman, g- g- give me some options and don't say, "Well, we'll figure it out in the draft." No, I, I need I need I need more than hey, we'll 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 see, we'll see what happens. We'll make it work. Well, that hasn't happened so far. So I understand your point. That's why I say there's there's some guys who have value on the market. But then it leaves a massive hole. Kenny Moore, you know, t- can you imagine the next nine games without your best corner? I mean, it's been ugly with him. And, and, and I don't mean I don't mean with him because of him, but I mean with him because what's around him. So it's really tough. They could have they could have avoided all of this, all of this, had they handled the cornerback situation differently, and then just doing that. You you more than likely beat Cleveland, and you got a really good chance of beating the Saints. So you know it, it's this is where they are. Next few days will be interesting, but I just don't think they're going to be dumping guys. I just don't. Mike Chappell is our guest from CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine. Chap, in terms of guys being irreplaceable, I think we can both agree here that Robin Miller was irreplaceable. Correct. I mean, like, there's Correct. nobody, there's nobody that's going to come down the pike in this market that's going to be like, like Robin was. They, they did break the mold, which, <laughs> as someone once said, that was a good thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> so here's the thing: Robin was the ultimate cynic, right? And and you know, in all areas, which was so fabulous. But right for that reason, I don't want to be a cynic because you can't do it to that level. So let me tell you an area where I have struggled because I don't want to be a cynic, but I'm afraid I'm going to be overly... You tell me if I'm being overly cynical in my analysis here, okay? Sure. In terms of you are correct, when it comes down to it, this year the roster building around Anthony Richardson is the focus. Anthony Richardson is the keys to the kingdom, and it's about building the roster now around him. But when you look at the areas that Chris Ballard has put in the most time and resource and effort to build pass rush, offensive line depth, maybe 
I wouldn't say defensive backfield because he maybe hasn't put in a lot of resource there, but he did draft one this year and had a couple of young guys. They went out and, and got three defensive backs in the draft. I then become cynical about whether or not Chris Ballard is the right guy to build those pieces around Anthony Richardson because I haven't seen tangible proof that he has been able to successfully do so to this point in other operating areas of the team. Am I too cynical? No, no. I mean, it's just you just look at the you look at the product, and I think Bernard Ryman's the left tackle is the left tackle. I do. Uh, he's still growing into the position. He's had a few rough spots, but they all do. I mean, it's crazy how when we look, we're, we're so critical of the Colts as we should be because that's the team we watch, and and we have the most information on. Look around the league. There's not. We talk about the lack of really good quarterbacks. Look at offensive lines. It's just it's just hard. There's some really bad play by teams, but but this is where we are. And you know, I, I think he's done a lot of good things. I still think his roster, by and large, have been better than the previous regime. I just do. The previous regime had Andrew Luck and Dog on it. It just makes a difference. It, it just makes a difference when you've got a guy who can fall behind thirty-eight to ten, and he was one of the reasons you fell behind thirty-eight to ten. And he comes and he comes back and beats the Chiefs in the playoffs. I, I, I just think that quarterback does so many things that helps a flawed roster. But boy, pass rush, left tackle—you know, a, a, a really, really good. You know, receiver, they've just not had that. So, yeah, I understand that. I understand that. And I I wouldn't walk, you know, talk out that ledge at all. You know, I still, they've got a decision to make at the end of the season on Quiddy Pay with his fifth year option, I believe. And I mean, what do you do? I, I think he's a really, really solid run stopper and gives you some pass rush. But boy, Derek Carr was touched like twice yesterday. That's just not on Quiddy, but that's his. You know, he's, he's a pass rusher. He and Samson, Ibukam, and all the and Dio. So, yeah, I, I understand that. I totally understand that. But but then I would point out that every time we talk to Jim Mersey, he, he he is 100% in on Chris Ballard. And he, he, gave him, he gave him, if he wasn't, if he was on the fence with Chris Ballard, I don't think he, the owner would have allowed this GM to draft a quarterback. I just don't. But he is, and and I think again, what we've seen, the quarterback is the right guy. He just is, and we can you can spend another day later on talking about the, the injury risk and all that. But they they knew that going in. They they knew the injury risk with Richardson, and they were more than willing to to deal with it. So I understand your 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 cynicism. I do, and I uh, you you would have a much better argument than I would. With with where you are, just because of the the, the prime positions have been a struggle to, to get solidified, and and like I say, I think if Bernard Ryman is the left tackle, then you're in a lot better shape. But that still doesn't solve pass rush, and and then they've got to make the big decision on Pittman, and then we'll see. But no, it's it's a good point, and again, you've probably got a stronger point than I do. Mike Chappell of Fox 59 and CBS 4 is our guest. Chap, last year there were 11 trades that had 13 players move around the league. And I know you kind of answered this earlier, but just to clarify it, based on Chris Ballard's history, 
would it surprise you more if they were to stand pat tomorrow or if they made any kind of move in the trade market? Well, I, 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 if the over-under is two, I would take the under. You know, maybe they do one move. And, and I, I'm not necessarily saying a, a trade to solve the cornerback situation because I don't think any move he makes would be necessarily with well, this will fix us this year. It would be more to get draft capital. I, I think they can find – they should be able to find – they should be able to find a corner on a practice squad – in the open market somewhere that that's a better option than what they've got. I don't think that's, I don't think a trade would be done for that. I, I just don't. Cause I, I don't think that they would be looking. I don't think they're looking for the, to this year on, on that kind of a personnel move. I would say, again, I, t- I take one trade. So I, I would say they're going to be more standing pat than they are jumping in the pool. Okay. Chap, I want to, you tell me if I'm wrong here in my lineage, okay? Genealogy is not a strong suit of mine. So you can tell me if I'm wrong with this lineage. Tony Brown got reps at corner because Daryl Baker Jr. was his predecessor and was didn't go. And then Daryl Baker Jr. got reps because of the fact that you had uh, injury to Dallas Flowers at the beginning of the year, and that's where that position ultimately was opened up. Is there any? Is that accurate? Yeah, you're forgetting Juju Brents' injury as well. well. Yeah, okay, and Juju, I think, is going to be a player. Don't get me wrong, but, but no, no question. No but question. I'm curious though, and, and I don't know. I mean, I, it seems to me odd though that when you're talking about four guys at a position in terms of your depth, that three of those four are guys that weren't even drafted into the league. Is well, that... most of the cor- most of the corners were that way. The only going into the season, the only draft picks in the cornerback room were the three they drafted this year, and then of course they cut uh, Rush, uh, Darius Rush, right? So yeah, it, 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 this was we, we we just shake our heads. You know, sometimes those of us in the media room are really stupid, but sometimes you just sit there. You know, they they lose. They, they trade Gilmore, Stephon Gilmore, who was their best best player on defense, second best if you want to get into argument over over he and Buckner, and, and because he wanted out, which okay he did, and then they don't resign Brandon Fashion, who was not he he wasn't great shakes there last year, but he started, and then you lose Isaiah Rogers to that to the gambling violation. He was going to be one of your starters. And the only thing they really did was draft three players. And all along they kept saying, well, you know, we've got this set. We're going to be young. We're going to have growing pains. Oh, we got, we got Dallas Flowers. Well, he was a special teams player last year until guys got hurt. And then he played or started the last three or four games because, because he had to. So, yeah, it, it's, 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 just, it's just unfortunate for the players Although I Dallas Flowers played pretty well, I, I thought he played pretty well. But then you put Daryl Baker out there, you know, two weeks ago, and then you put Tony Brown out there, and it's, you know, they're they're in positions that they're not really suited for. These guys are really good special teams players. You know, Tony Brown had played one defensive snap this year, and that was in the opener when I think Kenny went out. And he got an interception, his first career interception, but he's a special teams player. You know, it's not the same because of special teams, but it's like putting Matt Gay out there at tight end. 
well, we need somebody. Well, you spell some team. No, it's it's not it's not the same. But you're putting guys in positions where it's hard to succeed, and that's not the way to do things. I thought there were a few other options they they could have done. Certainly, there was they could have done. But you know, Daryl Baker had a couple of two or three hiccups against the Browns and cost you. And then certainly Tony Baker did, or Tony Brown did uh, on Sunday that cost them. So it's, it's, they're the ones in the crosshairs, but they, you know, they were out there doing what they were being asked to do. And they simply weren't good enough to do it at the time, which to me is not on them. It's on the roster building during the off season. Jonathan Taylor, Mike Chappell, yesterday was drastically decreased in terms of his workload in the second half because, A, New Orleans was giving a look that the Colts realized they couldn't run against. B, Shane Steichen just went too deep in the playbook and got a little bit buried with it. Or C, they know they're going to trade him today anyway or tomorrow, and so therefore they were going to minimize him. So then why did they run him seven times in the first quarter <laughs> on C? I, but I, I'd say B. I, I just think they sort of lost their way. And but six carries for the running backs in the second half when it the game was was, was in reach. It wasn't until it got you know the fourth quarter. You know is when it got a double digit uh, deficit. So yeah, it was B. And we'll talk to coach in a little bit, and we'll see if after reviewing things is yeah I should have run more. I've been looking here. And it's really crazy, and I don't know whether it's because other teams adjust and the Colts don't. But this season, they've averaged 5.3 yards rushing per carry in the first half. Second half, it's 3.5. I mean, that, that's that's massive. So, and yesterday wasn't so much the attempts or the, the yards per attempt. It was, you know, six six carries. Six for 54, and I think Moss had the, the 40-some yarder in there, so... It's th- th- this is your team. This is this is what you have to be. You know, I realize it's it's tough when you're an aggressive play caller and you're not converting third downs in the third quarter and you get you know fewer and less efficient drives and all that. And that, part of that is, is the run game isn't popping early in the third quarter. But these are your guys. This is this is these are your guys. And you know, I understand Zach Moss. You cannot simply. Ignoring you can't, but you paid JT twenty six million guaranteed to be the guy, and I just I just we were asking in the, in the press box and we asked Shane Steichen after the game was was Taylor hurt was he dinged up no he was you know this is Zach got going and we went with a hot hand and well T- Taylor's your guy you 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 showed that with the extension. So I, I thought this would be the game to where it would really, really flip on touches, and it didn't. I think it was 12 for Taylor and 11 for Moss. And that's just you, – you just can't do that. Taylor's that guy that, again, you give him 15, 18 carries, and there will be those 1, 2, 8, 9, and then, boom, he'll hit you for 40 or more. So I, I was surprised by that. and. Again, I, I, I think what the season Moss has had, he's still like second in the league in rushing, I believe, which is incredible since he missed a game. But you made it very clear that Taylor's your guy. I, I wouldn't be opposed to trading Zach Moss if you could get – I don't know what you get. The running backs, say, running backs hate to hear it, but the market 
across the league isn't that good. I don't know what you get for him. Chap, doesn't it feel like they probably, at the very least with Zach Moss, they have increased his market value in the time that he's been here? I mean, they they could get more for him than what they gave for him. No, no question. But again, I don't think you're, if you think you're going to get a third round pick for him, I, you know, I don't see that happening a fourth or a fifth. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but no, there's no question. His value now is is much more than it was when the season started. So I, I don't know. I just I didn't agree with it, and we'll see how what Shane Steichen says that, you know later today. And I realize it, it's funny. I can't remember what game it was. Was it last year, two years ago, when when, when Quentin Nelson went up to Frank on the sidelines and says, "Hey, can we call a can we call a run?" You know, and finally, you know, Frank did. They had thrown like I don't know what it was. 20-some passes in our own Quentin finally said, hey, you know. So I, it, I, I don't know if, if it would take that, but th- your team is built on this offensive line, which I think is playing okay. Uh, so, so, pro Football Focus had them like the fourth-ranked offensive line in the league. I thought that was generous. But it's the offensive line, and, and it's it's Moali Cox as a blocker now because not much is a, of a receiver in, in this offense. And they're running backs. No, you don't want – Gardner Minshew throwing the ball 40-plus times. It, it, this isn't rocket science. It's not. So I, I, I'm just a little surprised they haven't been more – tried to be more who they who they are, who they're built to be. Uh, because, again, the last two games have not – they've not gotten out of control to where you just got to air it out. Now, they didn't do that against Cleveland, though. But I just don't think it's a good thing to have Gardner Minshew throwing the ball 40 times. Mike Chappell is our guest. You can find his work on Fox 59 and CBS 4. Chapp, I'm right there with you. The carry distribution is nearly 50-50 yesterday. And on top of that, from a snap count percentage, we've yet to see him get into what he was in 2021 or even parts of 2022, 80% or 90% of the snaps. I thought this was the game. So if that was clearly not the game, when do you envision, and I, maybe we'll get more clarity throughout the week, but when do you envision, if ever this year, not ever his career, but ever this year, Jonathan Taylor being the workhorse back they're paying him to be? Uh, yeah, I, I, again, I thought it would have been yesterday. Uh, soon, I don't know. Soon sort of, we're past soon. But but I do remember when I talked to Jim Ursley when this got done, and he said, yeah, it's going to take three or four weeks for him to really get up to speed. Well, yesterday was four weeks. But then he said that that with whether it was Zach Moss or just whatever, he said, you know, the idea is to not have him be that that Derrick Henry type of guy, which he never he's never been to that level, but to where they can ease his carries somewhat and extend his career. But but still, you paid him twenty six million dollars guaranteed. Uh, maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe the idea internally is well, we don't have our quarterback. You know, it's going to be tough with with Minshew. Let's not give Taylor twenty five carries a game. Let's sort of let's sort of just let him be. You know, back by committee, I guess. And then we've got Taylor. You know, a fresher Taylor. Next year, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm grasping now, but I, I just don't know if not this next week, you know, then maybe a, a against New England and Germany. But when, if not if not soon, when? It, it's just it's clear that they they value Zach Moss as they should as they should. But 
I just think there needs to be it needs to be more of a of a, of a imbalance with with Taylor. I don't know. I don't know what the numbers are. Eighteen, and then Moss gets ten. I don't know. But if not now, if not next week, when? And maybe not this year. I don't. Know. I can't imagine it not being this year because he's your guy. But they've been very, very uh, patient. I guess is the word with with not overdoing it with Taylor. But he's your guy. Mike, my last question is not Colts-related. I know that's a stun. Um, but there was a lot of talk in the draft, and, and I do like Anthony Richardson. And I, I, I know the Colts, obviously, th- maybe excluding C.J. Stroud, that was, that was the guy that they were totally honed in on. I, but there was a lot of conversation about Will Levis in the draft and the Colts being linked to him. Obviously, we know he fell, and Tennessee ultimately takes him. He had a wonderful debut yesterday. He had four touchdowns. He looked poised. He had the ball right where it needed to be. But do we make anything of that? Does that does does one game mean anything at all? No, but I mean they could have they could have drafted him. <laughs> he was right there. They, they could have taken him. Uh, and I don't know whether it's revisionist history, but you talk to the Colts now, and they say you know Ursay sold as well. If we'd had the first pick, we would have taken Richardson. So I, I, but no, I don't think so. Now, if he if he does this, it's funny how all of a sudden the shines off Brock Purdy now because they, they've lost three in a row and he's been throwing the ball up to the wrong people. Uh, now let, let's have a let's have a much bigger sample size and if he does this three or four more games and what'll be telling from the Titans' point of view is when Ryan Tannehill is ready to come back, what's he got an ankle? If he's ready to play in a game or two and they stick with Levis, well, that tells you what they believe, that they're that they're pushing forward, they're pushing the, the future now, and Tannehill is history w- with that franchise as far as being a, a, a viable player. Now, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but now let, let's wait. I, I still like Richards, and I do. Let's see if Mayonnaise Boy can do this for like a, another month or six <laughs> weeks and see. You know, uh, Chap, here's when it comes to drafts and teams telling you, like, you know, this is the guy we wanted all along, that kind of thing. I always go back to this. I will never forget. It was the year, I believe it was the Dallas Clark year. So we're all out there at the Colts complex, and the Colts brass comes out after they'd selected Dallas Clark, who obviously was a great pick. Right. And. The narrative is, you know, this is the guy we wanted all along. I mean, this was the guy when, when we built our draft board, this was the guy we honed in on, and the draft went exactly as we expected, and the board went exactly as we anticipated, and this was the guy that we wanted from day one. We circled him, and Dallas Clark was the guy all along. So then later in the press conference, the question comes up to Bill Polian. Hey, did you ever think about trading up at any point in the draft? We actually did consider it, but the guy we would have traded up for was taken just before we would have made that move. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Hold on. So so every player ever is the guy that they would have drafted from the get-go, right, until the well, trade comes and, out. And, and, yeah, and the greatest example is with Tom Brady going, was it 199 in round, was it six? Yeah, six. So, so, so the Patriots passed on him five times. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's right. like they, you but, know, and the Colts hit a home run with Robert Mathis. Well, if they thought he was going to be anywhere near that, you'd take him in round three. Right. You know. So yeah. But the revisionist history. We'll, we'll, we'll be sitting there talking to Ursay during the draft, and he, he throws out these things. Well, you know that we were going to take uh, who was it? Uh, Jones Drew. Was that the year that they took uh, Edrin? Maurice Jones Drew. 
Yeah, um, they, they were going to take him. They were going to take Russell Wilson the year they took Andrew Luck. They were sending the card up to take Clay Matthews, I believe it was, and somebody beat him to it. it it's just the stuff you, you get, you know, two years later is really crazy. But everybody that, that drafts late, it's, yeah, that's who we wanted. He, it, the draft fell exactly like we expected it to, and our guy was there. And well, if you really liked him at 30, why didn't you go up like a 27 to make sure you get him? So, <laughs> Maurice yeah, Jones-Drew, by the way, was selected. Let, let's let's look at the Colts players selected in front of Maurice Jones-Drew, okay? Um the year that Jones Drew was selected, they took Joseph Adai. That's who it was. That's the one. That's the one. Okay. Yeah. And right. he was a nice player. Adai was a good player. He was a very good player. And worked out well. And Adai might have actually been a better fit for what they needed than Jones Drew, truth be told. Agree, agreed. Because he was big and versatile. Underrated player, actually. Um, Chap, we appreciate the conversations each and every week. Hope you enjoyed the weekend, not only of the Colts game, but also watching On Patrol Live, and you're all caught up. I, no, I'm still about an a, a episode and a half behind, but they were better. it was better this last week. Okay. Shirtless guy hiding under a canoe. There's your warning. Yeah. So, always, always, always enjoy, enjoy it when they say, we've got the dog here, and the guy doesn't come out, and he'll let the dog go, and you hear the guy screaming. Get him off of me. That's exactly Hey, They told you. They told you. Hey, when they say release the dog, my hands are in the air, that, buddy. I tell you. That is correct. That is correct. All right, chap. Appreciate it. Later. All right, Mike Chappell joining us on the show. I love the fact that Mike Chappell's a fan of On Patrol Live. Just love it. I missed some of it this weekend because I had to watch Halloween. That was the toss-up. It was like, do I want real-world I mean, drama or do I want... Yeah, it's Halloween. Like, you got to watch... I mean, it's actually not Halloween yet, but it's the Saturday of Halloween. Well, you thought I already went trick-or-treating, so maybe maybe it is already Halloween. Yeah, that's Who's a good say? point. Well, I'll tell you what. It was more um, treat than trick for the Pacers over the weekend. We'll get into that before we return to talking about the Colts coming up a little bit later. But last... Uh, or over the weekend, Saturday night, big performance. And the Pacers are starting to show who they are. And we'll explain a little bit more on that next. This song. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Constantly, every single time Eddie plays, it reminds me of one of the scenes in the school bus of the very, very underrated comedy road trip from the early 2000s. One of the great scenes. I'm one of the seven people in the greater Marion County area that recall that, but nonetheless, I uh, thought I'd point it out. Uh, Pacers over the weekend in Cleveland Saturday night. I thought it was a real kind of a, is it litmus or litmus test? Do we know? Litmus? What's that? Litmus. Is it Litmus? It's named after a fellow that came up with the test, right? Yes. Do we know the Do we know the name of the fellow that came up with the test, Eddie? Um, George Litmus. It is Litmus. I'm, yeah. I'm guessing he's Swiss, right? He's either Swiss or German. They always are the the, the, the lab guys, right? Seriously, I'm trying to find. Not Swedish. They're chefs. But the Beaker fellow, he was either German or or Swiss. I'm I'm fairly certain. But I thought what we saw on Saturday night for the Pacers was really kind of an indicator of a lot of things about them. And I had pointed out after the game against Washington 
where they had eight and double figures, you know, the real – it's kind of difficult, admittedly, to tell when you're playing the Washington Wizards how good you are because they're thought to be, and I think most would say, one of the lower teams in the league. Did you find it, Eddie? Nope. Hang on. And when it comes to Cleveland, what we thought, you know, and what did we say on, on Friday during the two-minute drill? What did we learn in Cleveland? The expectation 50-win team, a team that's, you know, hoping for a top-four seed in the East. And they got out, and I'll tell you what, Mobley, I mean – the monster it's an absolute animal i mean you want to talk about and that's you know what 610 and he's doing left-handed layups and i mean it's like good lord but they get out to the huge punch right cleveland jumps out to a huge lead right away the starters look a little bit lost for indiana and concerning is not the right word but that was like oh right okay this is how we're starting off and and what i said after that first game was when you have that number of players that score in double figures, then what you concern yourself with is late in games, who's the go-to guy? And I, and I brought up Kentucky when they played in the Final Four here against Wisconsin the year that they were thought to go 40-0, and and Calipari had that fabulous platoon system with NBA players one through like eight. And both groups were fantastic, and there was a ton of talent on that roster – but when that game came down to crunch time against Wisconsin, like you kind of didn't know where the ball was going. Who's the guy that like everybody kind of stands aside and says, okay, we're going to grab a hold of your cape and ride you. And with the Pacers, what I was saying after that Washington game was they have these, this, this high number of players that, that can obviously play and score, but the real asset for them is the fact that they have a guy in Tyrese Halliburton that clearly when the game's on the line, that's where it's going. And everybody knows it. Everybody in the arena knows it. Some guy, some fan for Cleveland knows it. And he's yelling at Tyrese Halliburton, and Halliburton hits consecutive threes and then turns around and says, look, man, it's on you. In his Reggie Miller moment, right? So that game, to me, exemplified and displayed two areas about the Pacers that I think we're going to see play out over, hopefully, the the totality of the season. And the first of those is the fact that they are really deep. And when they get in a hole, they can come back from that with pretty good success rate because of the fact that they have that level of talent around in the second unit that you don't have a huge drop-off, whereas other teams do, right? And, And, you know, a guy like Aaron Neesmith is fabulous, that's probably going to be the bigger question is which guy off the bench is the one that the ball goes through. And kudos to them for now in being able to recognize it was Neesmith's night, so let's go to him. You know, Another night it might be Nimhard's night or Heald's night, whatever it might be. But when that game was on the line, Halliburton was the guy. But when they got down early, it was the depth of that bench, Jimmy, that kept him in the game. The initial reaction should be – outside of the Pacers positive, the initial reaction should be, oh, well, Donovan Mitchell wasn't in this game. And oh, they still haven't had Darius Garland yet. And what about Jared Allen? But that gets washed away for me, Jake. A, because they were able to respond after a porous start. And B, there are still threats on that Cavaliers roster. You already highlighted Evan Mobley. Karis LeVert was on fire early in this game. He finishes with 31. Max Struess with 21. Like the thought for me that... Not only, yes, was Cleveland shorthanded, but they also gave the Pacers everything that you could ask for in terms of matchup between division foes. But to your credit, and you highlighted this last week, the fact it is clear that you have the answer of, yeah, Tyrese Halliburton is the guy, whether he's shooting or whether he's passing, 
end of the game, you have trust and confidence that as long as you're within striking distance, he's going to carry you there. He's going to find like that. That that is a great feeling to have. Uh, By the way, litmus comes from the term, and it's an old Norse term. This is like most things in science. It all goes back to the Vikings. An old Norse term for moss used for dyeing. That's where litmus comes from. Okay. About 1300, the Spanish physician Arnaldus de Villanova began using litmus to study acids. In 1300, this guy was doing acid? Holy cow. By by 1350, Pink Floyd had become the number one album in the Viking and Spanish areas. How about that? There you go. See the thing? They sang it on ships. Listen, when I was on the morning program, and I hate to... the wake-up call with KB and Andy. I hate stealing their intellectual property, except for that the intellectual property actually was my intellect. And so, therefore, I, I don't feel like I'm stealing it, right? I'm just bringing it over. I'm transitioning it. This this show, what do we do on this show, Eddie? Educate and entertain. We educate and entertain. Yes. That's exactly what we do. And we, and we practice snapping. <laughs> and we snap with IU football, right? The snaps were so close. The snaps were so Were you snapping close. at all, Eddie? I had to get my fingers ready. I was I was you know practicing. I was at Horseshoe Indianapolis, the casino in Shelbyville, with um, with John doing a show, and it was a lot of fun doing a show out there on Saturday. And as I'd mentioned to Don Fisher, I got in the car, and Indiana was within striking distance, and I and I I could hear Eddie. I was coming up seventy four. A two. You know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Do we have the whisper part of the song? Uh, It's in the full thing, but I thought I I heard Tom Allen post game with Don and I kid you not it's sound and, and I know it's kind of his voice in general because he has that raspy voice top five coach voice no doubt but I thought I thought he was crying when he came on with Don Fisher in the post-game interview and I don't think it was the case but it sounded like he was crying I mean look I'm not if that was the case I'm not going to say that's a good or a bad thing but I would say this is the poster child and one of the things that when they were winning, you loved about Tom Allen, he wears it on his sleeve. Like if that was a fact, if somebody said, hey, coach, were you emotionally crushed to the point of tears after the loss to Penn State? And he said, yes. Wouldn't surprise me. Totally. I, and I'm not, again, I'm not criticizing him for that, but like it wouldn't surprise me because he's a very live and die by this team, which is what you would definitely want out of a coach. If you can combine that with the whole winning thing. Here's I mean, the thing. you just can't go on the road like that. And you force the turnover. You're at. You're threatening to score. You're in the high red zone. I think. I don't know if they got in the red zone or not. But you can't go, afford to be a road team, a major underdog. You're. You've got two wins. You're going up against a 10 3 team in the country, and run the ball three times and expect your defense to come up big guys, again, guys. And, and and this is the education portion. I can feel it exactly. I I, I don't. I don't oftentimes like to to openly display my age and experience but occasionally i will i will you dedicated a segment to the second half century of your life i'll be my (laughs) i'll be my i'll be the more vociferous force here by 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 being outspoken about my guiding force for the two of you appreciate that there are times where i i'm 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 very like i can see exactly what's happened i'm very clairvoyant if that's even the word it is the word indiana and it's brilliant Tom Allen knew going into this year it's a big year for for Tom Allen in Indiana football, okay? Yep. And, you know, they 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 toyed around and let Akron hang around. They're, he's a philanthropic fellow, right? Knew that Akron needed a little jolt. And then, sure, 
They got blown out at Maryland. And yeah, they slipped up a little bit at Michigan. But Michigan knew all their plays. They had Rutgers on the ropes, and then all hell broke loose. And they had Penn State right where they wanted them, and then Penn State managed to pull it out. And Penn State remembered they were playing a football game. Tom Allen is not a dumb fellow. He knew that if they just go through and have an average season and become bowl eligible, that people are like, "Eh, okay. And they would still question whether or not he's the guy. But he also, but so he looked at it and said, you know what? If we finish with four straight wins, roar ourselves into bowl eligibility, become the talk of the town of the fact that now all of a sudden we're going to a bowl game in a year that was circling the toilet bowl, then then I am going to sustain for another year. And they might give me another $20 because it's Indiana, right? Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan State, Purdue. Put them all on alert. Four-game streak for Indiana right now. It starts now. It starts with the Badgers. It's just a little snap. I would love then no- at Illinois snap a little louder. By Michigan State, we're at slam poetry. I got snapping. I got news for you. And by the time Purdue rolls around in the bucket game, I mean it is Gene Kelly singing in the rain, snapping like there's no tomorrow. Hoosiers are going bowling, and Tom Allen gets another twenty million dollar extension, all guaranteed. Guarantee it. I'm just telling you, that's the way it works. Five minutes. Life is full of things to manage: your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Before the hour of 2 o'clock on a Monday, Jake Query along with Jimmy Cook and Eddie Garrison here, Quarry and Company, 93.51075. The fan, thank you for making us part of your Monday. Again, NFL trade deadline will be tomorrow. And we will see whether or not the Colts are buyers, shoppers, whatever it might be. Truthfully, it seems a little bit of a stretch to think that they would be aggressive in trying to get something for this particular season because I I think they're realistic as to where they are and where they are headed. Um, And by that, I mean simply trying to build around Anthony Richardson. But a look back further at yesterday and what it means, including – my confession of guilt in representing all of the media, which, trust me, from noon to three on this program, talking about media shortcomings, a common theme. But I will admit where we were wrong, and I'll do it next. Getting back. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. End of the Colts conversation from yesterday's loss to the New Orleans Saints. But before we do that, Eddie Garrison, you've got it. Go ahead and hit it for us. Uh, this breaking news from the NFL, what we thought yesterday was going to be the case is confirmed. Kirk Cousins, quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, who was having a really good year, out for presumably, well, obviously the season with a torn Achilles. So that is confirmed today. That means that at least for now, the Vikings will hand their quarterbacking duties over to, I believe it's a rookie, correct, Eddie? That is correct. Name? Jaron Hall. Jaron Hall, which means that we get to play the always fun game of Guess the College. Now, with Eddie, you probably know because you looked it up, right? No, I already okay. knew. Oh, you already knew? Mm-hmm. 
and you already knew this how? Nice flex. Because I watched him play at this said college last year. Is it a marquee program? Uh, I would say not. Is it a Power 5 program? Which five do you consider in the Power 5? Well, the Power 5 would be the ACC, the SEC, the Pac-12, the Big 10, and the Big 12. Then yes. Okay. Uh, Your guess would be Jimmy Cook? Oh, Kansas State. That's a that's a good guess. Uh, I was going to go with. I had I had a weird feeling of Ole Miss initially, uh, but I'll go with Arkansas. Jimmy's in the right conference. Texas Tech. No. Not Kansas State. Not Texas. Uh, Missouri. No. Ooh, that's a good. They're Wait, no, they're the SEC. 12. SEC. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. They're SEC now. Sorry. Uh, Big Twelve. You said right. Yeah. All right, one more guess. Oklahoma State. No. Jake, one more. I don't think this is the case because they had a big win over the weekend, which leads me to believe they would have probably an upperclassman quarterback, but Rock Chalk. Nope. Okay, who is it? BYU. Oh, wow. Man, see, and this is what happened last week. Last week, I knew the – what's the Bears quarterback's name? Tyson Bajan? I knew it was West Virginia because I'd seen it. I knew it was BYU because I had seen it yesterday, but then for some reason I forgot BYU was in the Big 12. So that's on me. I'll wear the L. But it's all right. Cougars. So yep. yesterday, I know you're a fan of that. Uh, yesterday, the Colts and Saints. Uh, look, I'm going to offer, as I did to lead off the show, and if you didn't hear us then, uh, where were you? And if you did hear us then we thank you for sticking around and i promise you it's going to be even better the second time i know where they were by the way rumor has it this is not a real rumor rumor has it the colts are having open tryouts for corner so that's where most (laughs) of the listeners were today i was gonna say you laugh right (laughs) but wow that chair between you two may have done just amount actually actually jimmy based on yesterday it appears as though the open tryouts were last week right (laughs) here's my here is my confession my apology, my confession, my mea culpa when it comes to being a media member that covers the Colts. And I'm going to give Chris Ballard a ton of benefit of the doubt here, and then I'm going to give Chris Ballard some skepticism. Beginning with the benefit of the doubt. When Jonathan Taylor showed up at Grand Park in Westfield and said, yeah, my ankle's bothering me. They said, oh, Okay. Well, so you don't want to practice or what? And he said, yeah, my ankle's bothering me. I, I think it's best that I sit out. And then he met with Jim Mercer and he said, look, I want you to trade me, actually. I don't even want to be here. Ah, the yacht bus. What a time. That's right. And, and then they said, well, so tell us more about the ankle. And he said, well, actually, you know what? It's my back. He said, your, your back hurts? And he said, yeah, my back hurts. Well, when did this happen? Well, it happened actually when um, I was working out in Arizona. And they said, oh, we can put you on the non-football injury list and not pay you. Uh, I take it back. It was just my ankle. So during that time, we knew that Jonathan Taylor was flexing and playing hardball. And Jim Mersey was taking the, the stance of the owners and everything else by saying, look, this is you know running backs. There's an NFLPA ruling about the franchise tag. And you guys agreed to it. So if we tag you, we tag you. And... I'm going to lump in other media members attached to me by association because I don't think I was alone in this. 
the narrative for virtually everyone, fans, whatever else. But oftentimes, fans are, are, are going off of stuff they've heard and narratives and whatever else. And what did we say about Jonathan Taylor at that time, but... Jonathan Taylor is not worth $16 million a year. Jonathan Taylor is not worth $14 million a year. Jonathan Taylor is not worth $12 million a year. They're going to tell Jonathan Taylor to go seek a trade because they want to prove to Jonathan Taylor that Jonathan Taylor doesn't have any value in the open market anywhere near what he says he's worth. And that's backed up by the fact that in 2023, the running back position is deemed to be fungible. And the running back position in no way, shape, or form is a position that you build a Super Bowl contending team around. And you don't win by primarily focusing your running back. You air the ball out, you get receivers, you get guys in space. That's what we said. And I said it a thousand times. And while both things can be true, I am thus confessing to and apologizing on behalf of the media brethren the fact that, and sisterhood, the fact that Jonathan Taylor yesterday, by only touching the ball one time in the second half, it is hypocritical for us as media members to jump up and down and accuse the Colts of malpractice, of not using their running back more because that was the key to winning the game. Because by our own admission, Rallying behind your running back is not a winning formula in the NFL, except for when it is. And yesterday, Jimmy, quite frankly, theoretically it was. And I don't know whether the Colts got away from that because New Orleans gave them a different look or the Colts got away from that because of ineptitude. I don't know which it is. What I know is he touched the ball once in the second half and the Colts got away from it and they were outscored 31-10 after jumping out to a 17-7 lead and they lost the game. I guess in this scenario, I'm supposed to play the role of the reverend that says, my son, you've not sinned. And here's why. (laughs) Thank you. Because once they made the decision to pay him, which again, I encourage you to go look at SpotRack or go look at the other websites out there that track salaries. It's a $10 million cap hit next year a $15 million cap hit in 2025, a potential out in 2026 that only leaves you with a dead cap of $2.5 million. When the dust settled, don't hate the deal. Don't hate the deal for a running back that is at his position a top five player. All that said, though, even if you do hate the deal or you think, ah, they still overpaid for him, the Colts waive their right to say, see media, you said all this, but now it looks like you need the running back when they actually paid the money And then if there's no indication today that Jonathan Taylor was hurt yesterday, why is it Zach Moss is the snap count leader in the last 28 plays of that game? Unopposed. Could it be, Jimmy, could it be that the Colts know that this year is all about building for who? You're building the roster on Anthony Richardson. Correct. Right? Yes. Derrick Henry, really good running back, right? Yes. Really good. Outstanding. But when Derrick Henry started to slow down, I mean, the brakes are squeaking, right? Yeah. Bell cow running back. Lots of carries, right? Priest Holmes, you're a Chiefs fan. Oh, yeah. Priest Holmes had a period there where, I mean... You're playing fantasy football in the early years of that. Get Priest Holmes, league over, done. Exactly. How many years did he play? How many great years at did the, he have? At his peak, probably four, maybe five. Larry Johnson. 
the heir to that throne. Didn't didn't quite go as well as the Priest Holmes era, but yeah, had a great same year, thing. right? Yep. How long it last? Had like maybe t- another year or two of good Remember years. Remember Chris Johnson? Yep. Two thousand yard back. Yes. What happened? Went away quick, right? There was no warning sign. Like when you're backing up your car and you start getting too close to the wall, and it's like, deet, deet. <laughs> none of that with running backs, right? Yeah. Could it be? Could it be that when and where they can, the Colts are actually preserving the miles on Jonathan Taylor because they know that what Jonathan Taylor accumulates this year, statistically speaking, means nothing. And could it be that they're actually preserving him moving forward and limiting his carries and having Zach Moss take that beating that pressure and that pounding? I don't know, but it's could possible. Be. Yeah, it's entirely possible because the other point of Jonathan Taylor being on the deal that he is is to expedite the growth and the pressure take that away from Anthony Richardson when he's on the field and when he's not out there what's the point of utilizing the tires I would argue this though our concerns going into the year our concerns would we see Jonathan Taylor at all this year prior to the extension getting done was how would he look with this much time off from football and there's been flashes of it flashes of what he once was but I'm not getting enough volume to fully see if he can get back to the level that they're paying him to be. And, and I'd like to see that change. Remember the whole knock on Jonathan Taylor during the contract dispute was pass protection. We talked, right, sure. And what is Moss when Moss was traded over from Buffalo to Indy, that was his calling card. Right. He was being able to help in pass protection. And to me, that's probably the bigger reason why Zach Moss was playing more down the stretch because they just decided to go away from the run game in totality. Which they didn't need to do. No. We're in agreement in that they did not need to do that. No. Chap said that earlier. Like, it wasn't like you were at a point in the game where, okay, you can't be around the ball anymore. It's time to just pass and let Minshew cook. Taylor had the first touch of the third quarter and then had one touch the rest of the game. So after that loss yesterday, you know, you watch it and you're like, man, I mean, it it felt like they kind of had the game in hand and then it got away from them. And then, you know, a couple of plays, big chunk plays for New Orleans. Great day if you're a Derek Carr fan, eh? Totally, right? (laughs) And you're a defender of him. That's probably one of his best games the last two or three seasons. That was his seventh best game in terms of QBR, I think, in his 150-game career. Seventh best. So I got up this morning with those numbers bouncing around in my head, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And... Got up, did what I always do. Had a very nutritionally balanced breakfast of my favorite cereal. My favorite cereal, and I and I've done surveys before unofficially. Uh, and I think one of the most one of the favorite cereals of people in the last twenty years because it's it's kind of in the cereal game. It's a bit of a newcomer, relatively speaking. But I got up this morning and had a wonderful bowl of cinnamon Tony Brown Crunch because that guy was flat toast toast yesterday you have and this is the thing that that i i keep harping on the concern for me for the colts is not that their record's going to be lackluster this year because we knew that going in we just wanted them to be interesting and let anthony richardson feel his way through the national football league and then hand the keys over to him and rally behind a dynamic player in anthony richardson right And this year was all about simply assessing and doing an inventory on what you need to put around him. But the area of concern, so I give Chris Ballard like some credit in the fact that maybe we were too hard on his stance against the running back 
during camp, even though ultimately he caved and gave Taylor what he wanted. But I'm going to lean in on Chris Ballard a little bit here based on this is now the second year in a row that a position that everybody was jumping up and down screaming about that they didn't seemingly address, or if they did, they addressed it poorly. And everybody that was jumping up and down screaming in his southern draw, batty eye, subtle, passive-aggressive way, Chris Ballard kind of insinuated that he's smarter than everybody else and they don't need to worry about it because he's got it under control, is the defensive backfield. And to his credit, Juju Brents, I think, is going to be a really good player. That was a hell of a pick. Yep. But outside of that, Isaiah Rogers gets suspended, so he's gone. Dallas Flowers, who's an undrafted free agent and played well and and seemingly was going to get opportunity this year, gets hurt. They address in no way, shape, or form really either of those things. They drafted Darius Rush, who couldn't make the roster. And then they got Daryl Baker Jr. and Tony Brown. So you went from something that's baked to something that's toasted. Great. Those guys both got roasted. They got burnt bad. And that's a that's a position of need that everybody seemingly knew is a position of need. So my long-winded, circuitous way of saying, do we trust, after the inventory is done, that Chris Ballard is the guy that can competently build the positions around Anthony Richardson that are needed? No. Where, where is the evidence based on seven years that he's capable of doing that? Like I'm, I'm willing to tip the cap in certain areas. Like he's found some late round gems. You can't argue that. Like Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed alone are quality finds based on where they were drafted and what they're doing hey, now. Zaire for Franklin went down yesterday. And I'm thinking, oh boy. Same. Right. <laughs> Same. So like, the problem is, it's hit or miss. There's too much inconsistency in terms of where he hits on picks, where he misses on others. And then the apparent unwillingness to admit fault and then correct the issue versus sitting there like you're the smartest person in the room. And look, like we've had Chris Bauer in the studio before. Like he's been in this building before. Very nice guy. Works the media well. Like I don't have a problem with him as the person. But Chris Bauer, the GM, like I don't know that I would trust the free pass that comes with drafting a quarterback of likely a three-year cushion to Chris Ballard, and on top of everything else, it's because look around the league, once you pay the quarterback, you have to be one of the best GMs in the sport to navigate, to still find value, and to keep yourself in a contention window without suffering from the handcuff that is paying the massive quarterback contract. And if you give three years to Ballard to figure this out, you're going to come close to the, it's time to pay the piper and give Anthony Richardson a big deal if we're simulating this thing out. Where's the roster going to be in three years? And would he be able to navigate while being cap strung by your franchise QB? And I, I don't know that I can answer either question with a confident yes. Do you think people, and I don't know the answer to this, are people bothered at all around here? Because I think people do like Anthony Richardson a lot. Does it give anybody any uncomfortable pause or pain that Will Levis was really good yesterday? No. None whatsoever. Because it's one game. Chap said that earlier. Like, he looked awful in the preseason. By all accounts, in training camp, he looked lost. I give him credit. Some of those throws were nice yesterday. He tore up Atlanta. 
the Titans somehow remembered that DeAndre Hopkins was an option to throw to. Like that, that the connections they had were fantastic. And wide open. And wide open. But no, I'm not there. With the CJ Stroud conversation, even though he struggled yesterday, maybe that's one I'm willing to have. Because the thought was, well, if you're a desperate franchise, maybe you go up and trade for your guy like the Panthers did. Now, they potentially got it wrong because they took Young instead of Stroud, but that's more of a conversation for me. With Levis, I can't do it on one game. I can tip the cap and say, totally hey, agree. I mean, I agree. Rook, but it's the same reason. Again, I apologize. I'm committing a sin here, I guess. No one cares about the Bears. Eddie, one more time, their quarterback. Tyson Bajant. If all of last week you went off of how Tyson Bajant looked, you would be saying, hey, he's going to tear up L.A., Look out, Chargers! What and is, look what happened. What is Justin Fields' injury that kept him out? Uh, it's a sprained thumb to his throwing hand, or so something. So he is not like in that. concussion protocol, right? No. Why was he wearing sunglasses on the sidelines of a night game? Because he that has cool. Because he has moved on to Caleb Williams' itis, and he's got like some I concussion guess, right. symptoms with that. So he's trying to make sure he's okay. By the way, Eddie, do we have the sounder here? Little breaking news. Not sports-related, but I thought I'd pass it along. The Indiana Department of Corrections is seeking a prisoner who officials say was last seen in Indianapolis after walking away from a work crew. According to a news release from the state police, uh, Marion Janes was last seen about 11 o'clock Monday driving a 2006 Blue Dodge Dakota. Now, here's the thing. Here's a, a photo of this fella who is serving in Edinburgh for 20 years for burglary. And he's got on a neck brace, a ZZ top beard, and he's bald with a tattoo that goes all the way around the top of his head. I would think Marion will be fairly easy to find, right? But what's interesting is in looking at his uh, his record, his criminal record, he's been convicted of burglary, resisting law enforcement, operating a vehicle while intoxicated, resisting law enforcement, burglary, driving while suspended, theft of receiving stolen property. This is all going back, by the way, years. Resisting law that enforcement, resisting law enforcement, burglary, <laughs> resisting law enforcement, burglary, resisting law enforcement, uh, burglary, 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 resisting law enforcement, and then this one from June 22nd of 1998. You ready for this? Escape. So this guy's done this before. I thought it was escape. That too, right? (laughs) So Marion was on a work crew and just walked off. So you got a guy on your work crew that has a history in his past of escape, and he just walks off? And now it's like, wait a minute. Like, how did what this happen? How does this work? Do they go back to the bus? They go back to the bus and like, okay, now we're going to do attendance. Raise your hand when I say your name. Marion Janes. Marion Janes. Uh, okay, we got an issue here. He got us again. So if you see a guy driving around with a tattoo uh, over the top of his head and a Dodge Dakota, l- let officials know. Just thought I'd pass that along. Is that a 262 tips type deal? I think that's a 911 type deal, right? One would think. But I thought yesterday in the second half, I'm not going to say they escaped, that the, that the Colts let New Orleans escape, but you kind of felt, even when they were down 21-20, it did kind of feel like because it was at home and because it was a couple of big chunk plays for New Orleans, it didn't feel like it was totally out of control. And then... You know, Minshew had a really bad pick there, right, to start the second half. I mean, just where was that going? And the thing that, to me, 
is a little bit frustrating regarding Gardner Minshew is, and I like Gardner Minshew. I mean, I think he's a good player. I think he's a really valuable backup quarterback. But but the problem is, Jimmy, Mike Chappell's famous line, I think it is, the more you see out of backup quarterbacks, eventually you see that that's why they're a backup. And in Minshew's case, two to three game stopgap, really good. As good as you're going to find in the league. But have to play over the course of the year, water finds its level and bad habits continue to, to show themselves. And that includes some bad throwaways, right? And some costly turnovers. And what's unfortunate for – and I what I think is unfortunate is – and it's not at any fault of the Colts or Anthony Richardson – but the timing of when now things have been handed over to him with the injury, there's now enough body of work that it's harder to entice a team to knee-jerk trade for him at the deadline and get yourself a fourth or fifth round pick in the draft, which might have been a possibility. for for uh, Although Minnesota's not really in a position either where they're, they're a quarterback away, right? I mean, they still have a soft enough schedule to where they could make some noise. I don't know what the value would be, but like the rumor mill is a Gardner Minshew, a Ryan Tannehill. Like there, there are options out there in theory, not great options, but options. If Minnesota feels like, Hey, Jordan Addison is a nice bright spot. Hey, we're going to get Justin Jefferson back at some point. We need to get a quarterback in here that we can trust. I mean, to be fair, Minnesota's a game and a half out of first in their division and they got green Bay and Chicago under them. So then, right. you know, those two aren't, play with them at all but Detroit's going to win that division right I think so but again think? the distance is there where you think to yourself well maybe maybe we don't need to fully punt yet I mean they would be a playoff team today and what's behind them in that battle Jake is the Saints the Buccaneers the Rams and the Commanders like there's still a conversation for Minnesota to make the playoffs Jordan Addison or not Jordan Addison but Justin Jefferson estimates one get more game because he's on IR right do you bring him back Jimmy that's a big question I would have if I'm Minnesota like what do you mean do you activate him, bring him back? Like, you don't have Kirk Cousins. I think the direction of this season has vastly changed now with Cousins going down. So well, there, there, there's two that's options. Just my- yeah, no, I don't disagree with you. That's why they have two options. They either go out and get a veteran quarterback like a Tannehill, like a Minshew, just for two examples that we've talked about here today, and they do activate him, or they sell some of the farm. They try to get more draft capital and assets. They have a nice couple pieces on defense. Like, maybe you try to move some things around. And whether it's Kirk Cousins or somebody else under center next year, you're speed lining your rebuild that's approaching. But no, Eddie, to answer your question, I would only activate him if they're going out to get a quarterback they feel could help their offense. You know what's interesting is in the AFC, and to some extent within the NFC too, if you look at the way the, the trajectory of teams, but in the AFC, and I know it's early, relatively speaking, in the NFL season, but Virtually every division is already their separation. You know, usually, usually you get like, like you look at the NFC South. Do we have to? I always make this argument. Like, is the NFC South terrible or is it actually really good because it has depth all the way down to excluding Carolina? The first one. Understood. But... But, you know, like I remember that year that that I think it was the NFC West and it was, I think, Seattle yes. won the division at like seven and nine. Correct. They and hosted the like, Saints. This, this they league is terrible. Yes. Or this, this division is terrible. And I'm like, is it? Or is it that you have four, instead of 
two great, you know, one great team, one good team, and two bad teams, is it that you have four above average teams and they cannibalized each other to the point where the seven and nine winner happens? Maybe that's just me being optimistic. But the Falcons are playing coy with the media every week about who their starting quarterback's going to be. The Buccaneers have Baker, who is a roller coaster in his own right. The Saints, I guess, have a pulse, and the Panthers are well, trying to figure out what. Well, they, no, they're not trying to figure out what draft pick they want because they gave it to Chicago. The, the Saints yesterday, I mean, that was their their year was at least extended, right? Correct. I mean, the Saints are in a world hurt if they lose yesterday. Correct. But if you look at the AFC, I mean, Miami. Maybe that's the one division that you say is still up for grabs, a game between Miami and Buffalo. I would argue Baltimore. I would argue the North. The Bengals are coming, and they're only a game back. Okay, Bengals, that's fair. Game and a half at this point, right? Sure. I was going off of the lost side, but yeah, sure. But you might be right there. But the Ravens at 6-2, and I mean, two-game lead, you know, game and a half lead on on the rest of the league. They played one more game than the Bengals have. Jacksonville's the one that... Jacksonville and Kansas City, it feels like they are... I mean, it's... They're they're mortal locks at this point. They're already booking the hotel room, right? Yeah. Well, actually, they don't even need to. Well, they don't, they don't need to book the hotel room because they're yeah, going to play, play at home, game. right? Yeah. yeah. The fact that you know the wild cards are interesting. I mean, Buffalo is going to be Buffalo or Miami. One of those two is going to be a wild card, and it, you don't have the lopsided nature as I keep talking about. I mean, Dallas is going to have to go on the road in the postseason and go to Atlanta. Really? <laughs> I mean, Atlanta is like still trying to figure out who their quarterback is. I mean, it's just a mess in in the South, but. But it does feel like yesterday now with the Colts, you have, and, and maybe we'll say this five times, and, the, and the, 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 the the schedule helps them. But Jimmy, after yesterday, now that they've lost three in a row, doesn't it feel like you now have a pretty solidified answer as to where this year is headed? Yes, and this is where the schedule no longer helps you. It hurts you. Because we are starting to get away from those that were mad at me earlier in the year about, oh, you're just saying that the only two options are win a Super Bowl or tanking. No, I'm not saying those are the only two options. For a lot of people, like that's what you want to be every year is either a contender or, hey, let's keep drafting guys and try to get back to contention. But no, that's not what I was saying. But that crowd of, hey, maybe they can make the playoffs, took a big hit and is on life support after the loss to the Saints. And regrettably, the schedule is bad enough to where that nice thing you thought could benefit you making the playoffs might be the bad thing that winds up trapping you in mediocrity this year and you're picking 15th, 16th, somewhere around there in a critical year to build around Anthony Richardson. I was at the Colts game. I saw it happen. I saw the season kind of change the trajectory, the boulder in the stream yesterday, and then I came home and I saw two things that made everything right in the world in the NFL. I saw two things yesterday where I went, that's why I watch, that's the NFL, that's awesome, I absolutely love it, and I'm going to give both you guys a chance to pick what it was. Eddie and Jimmy, but... Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. By the way, during the break, a little peek behind the curtain, are stumped and enthralled by my trivia question of what is the highest rated movie on IMDb? The highest rated movie on IMDb. You have guessed so far Titanic, Wizard of Oz, and what was your Citizen other guess? Citizen Kane. And Citizen Kane. I'm going to say this is an out there guess, but I know it, it's it's highly rated on some spots. I'm going to say Terminator 2. Also incorrect. All right. I'm out of guess. 
Eddie? I believe it's a movie that I haven't seen. And, and I think it's one of Jake's favorites. Am I right? I, I don't know. I don't know whether it's one of my favorites. Yes, I don't know whether you've seen it or not. Um, Shawshank. In 1967, Andy Dufresne escaped from Shawshank Prison. I can't believe that you have never seen Shawshank Redemption. Nope. Okay. Well, haven't seen a scene. Nothing. Eddie, I am going on vacation after the program tomorrow. A previously long ago scheduled vacation. Thank you for allowing it to take place. I will be gone for, I don't know. I, well, we don't have an HR department, so they can't That's decline right. it. When I when I come back, I have no authority or jurisdiction over your employment. But if I come back, you have one week. <laughs> when I come back, I am going to intermittently, on the first show back, ask you a question about the Shawshank Redemption. Okay. If you are unable to answer the question, you will be um, penalized. How will I be? Well, I was thinking physically, but then I thought maybe that would they would create an HR department at that point. We might have HR, uh, but the police still exist, so you know we don't want. Well, apparently, if they take me out on a crew, I can just walk away. <laughs> <laughs> so no worries there. Uh, do you guys know Shawshank Redemption is fabulous, Eddie? Absolutely, and, and listen. I don't want to be that guy. I mean, there's nothing worse, right, than when you confess you haven't seen a movie and everybody's like, dude. I mean, I have those as well. I mean, I have movies that I've not seen and people are stunned by it. But Jimmy, you've seen Shawshank Redemption, correct? I've not. Remember, you threw the headset down. You did this exact thing. This exact thing. This exact thing happened three three weeks ago. This exact thing happened, which is why I was curious why he went after you. Because I thought it was relatively iconic that he would have remembered it was me because he did that same walk. What are we doing here? What are we doing? I'm, I'm, doing I'm doing a midday sports <laughs> talk show that is guy centric, right? Sure. With two guys, they, they give me. I, I understand one. I understand sure. one anomaly, sure. right? Sure. But two. Sure. I don't even know where I could watch it. There's, it's there's on ways. TBS there's like ways. 47 times a See, month. I, I stream. I don't. I don't have cable. There's ways to watch it. Jake, I will do that. In the next week, I'll watch it. I, I just want to be clear. I just want to be clear. Yep. Eddie Garrison just said, and I quote, I don't even know where I can watch Shawshank Redemption. That's that's <laughs> like saying, I don't even know where I can hear a reference of Kim Kardashian. What? I don't. I'm sorry. What are you streaming on? What? I... What are, <laughs> What is your streaming service that doesn't have Shawshank Redemption, which is the most ubiquitous movie of the last 20 years on any platform anywhere? I it's, should say. It the, literally, like TNT, the TNT executives, literally, they run, TBS and TNT runs a Christmas story 24 hours a day during Christmas, and Shawshank Redemption 24 hours a day the rest of the year. It's on all the time. I don't subscribe to YouTube, Fubo, or any of that stuff. The only thing I really ever it watch It sounds on like you TV, subscribe to Fubar. <laughs> The only that's a JMV uh, word there, so don't steal that from him. Anyway, that's, but that's Fubar has been around forever. I know that, but that's JMV's. You mean JMV didn't invent it? Correct. Okay. Okay. Um, but I just mainly, if I'm watching TV, it's usually a sport, a sporting event, and if not, then I am watching a show that I have on like Netflix, Hulu, or Peacock or Paramount Plus. I'd like or to know Apple TV. If I did a Twitter survey and just said, and I'm not, can we calling you out? All right. If I did a Twitter survey of just saying, have you seen the Shawshank Redemption? What do you guys estimate the the yes percentage is? Oh, it's probably around 70%. 
I'll, I'm going to go higher. I'm going to go ni- minimum 90. I'll put the bar at 90. Jimmy, your guess? 85. That's probably closer. Would it be so, more of an accurate representation if one of us did it since we're younger and that came out before we were born? Look, I've seen, I've seen movies that came out is totally irrelevant. I'm not willing to Part put that it. on totally my defense. Irrelevant. I'm not willing to put that on my defense market because I've seen movies that are older than me before. I mean, The Godfather was before I was right. born, but I've seen it, right? Right. Yes. I mean, it's it's anyway. Do you so? Yes. Do you remember that one time when you said, "I don't mean to be that guy. It's going to lose his mind about people not seeing a movie," and then I informed you I also hadn't seen it, and then you were that guy. The fact that that both of you have not seen it is staggering to me. I, I will say that. But but again, I, I will, and then I'll be off my soapbox as the old guy. Okay. The you never talk about your age though. The before I was born excuse is is totally irrelevant because there has never been ever. I'm dissing ever, myself by the way. For there's that. never been <laughs> Sorry, a generation <laughs> that has more easily accessible to them things before them than this one. Correct. Ever. I agree. Um, speaking of that perfect segue do you want to guess the two things yesterday in the nfl that made me so giddy that i didn't care that the Colts season came to an end right here yes. me first those sweet sweet seahawks throwbacks that's number one those are awesome fantastic are they, i mean they're kind of they're current though right like they're if that felt like the old school helmet they, design right yeah i guess you're right actually but it seems like they use them more they use them so often yeah it's not the navy blue i hated like when they do like the, the all lime green ones yeah. are a little much i agree but you got to admit, it was awesome. That it, silver helmet at midfield is awesome. That mixed up with the they had the old school like paint scheme in the end zones. Yeah, the whole thing was great. So that's my that's my number one. I scoured the NFL schedule. I don't have the second one. Maybe Eddie does, but I don't have it. Oh come on! We talked about it earlier. We've talked about this game. Oh. Eddie, do you have anything? No, drawing a blank. How about the Tennessee Titans? Going with the old school Houston Oilers. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. And here's the thing. They went one step further. I mean, they were like, we're getting a new stadium. We're just going to go ahead and blow this thing out. They went with Oilers stuff. The, the, I mean, it said Oilers in the end zone. Everywhere. Yeah. The entire stadium yep. was Oilers. Those were awesome. pretty sweet. They're pretty awesome. Yep. Now they, I was distracted by Will Levis increasing his Heisman chances with his performance yesterday. That's why I forgot about that. Apologize. They, so the question with Will Levis becomes... You know, is can we in any way, shape, or form? I mean, there's a long list, is there not, Jimmy, of quarterbacks that like get out of the box and you're like, Holy it happened cow. last week. It happened with the Bears quarterback. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it, yes, it, there's a long list, a recent list too. Like, one game does not a career make. But I'll be honest, I didn't really see that at Kentucky, and I have not seen it from him at all in the 2023 calendar year as an NFL player, training camp or preseason. It surprised me, but I need to see it again. Eddie, did you, did you start a poll? I have not. We need a show. Do we not have a show Twitter page, by the way? We do not. We do not. We need a show. We might be embarrassed by the low number of followers. Is that possible? Like Ten, ten votes in, it's 80-20. So you did it. No, you just put it oh, out there. Well, one of those was you. So it was 90-10. <laughs> oh, man. No, I need to skew the pew. I need to skew the pool. It was... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, well, I only wanted to see where it was at in the early stages of 20 seconds. You in. know how we really could have skewed it? Put on there, and I'm sure trolls would have invaded. What Shawshank is the third option? That would have, that would have, because I think we would have had trolls line up and just to mess with the data. Uh, it's not free to stream anymore, but it's on Apple TV for four bucks. I'll give you the $4. How's that? All right. I'm in. 
Um, right now, I'm at 87.13. Can I get it in company stop auctions? Well, that's the other thing. That's worth it. What, what is our stock price? Well, Stephen Holder's on tomorrow, so I don't think we can release that until he he's is, here. That's right. He is as the <laughs> official shareholder, right? Yes. But I loved yesterday the Seahawks uniforms and the oil uniforms, man. Absolutely loved them. Absolutely loved them. Didn't love what happened to the Colts because it did feel like it was a redirection, but at the same time, Jimmy, a redirection to where the – Makes where most people thought, we they thought they were, were doing correct. correct. Without Anthony Richardson, I think it's the area most people thought they would be. Like it's back yes, to Dennis Green, right? Yes. Yep. We are who they thought they were. Exactly. We, they are who we thought they are. We let them Is off that the what hook. it was? They were. 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 That's right. But that's kind of where it was. I mean, I think that we all got a little bit intoxicated by the visions and the hope. But hope is a good thing, you know, Andy. Or Eddie, sometimes the best of things. So you know, on also Kevin's corner movie, so he doesn't know. You know, on Kevin's corner, um, anytime Kevin refers to me as Andy inadvertently, he has to give me a Reese's. Really? Mm-hmm. A what? A Reese's. Another. Now this one, I'm with you. I also say Reese's. It's Reese's. Reese's. I, I'm with you, but it's Reese's. Yes. They, they, didn't they I'm just also do a big in the Reese's camp, but if you listen to any Reese's ad, that's what they say. Reese's, Correct. they they're say very, Reese's. They're very definitive. And the easiest way to remember it is Reese's pieces. But I've always said Reese's pieces. Yep, me yes, too. Same. Yep. They will tell you that the Reese's folks get very upset about that. Be careful. Yeah, that's right. They don't. They, will Arnett will come after you in your sleep? They're <laughs> not a fan of that mispronunciation. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a f- athlete. This is my f- way. This is how I win. Off the bat with the Plays of the Day, happy sports equinox. All the professional leagues in the U.S. are in action today, so we'll place a bet, one bet from each of the professional sports, and I'm including in as well the MLS. with it. What do you say? One eight hundred nine with it. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. I'll take the Diamondbacks on the money line over the Texas Rangers. I'm going to lay the three on the Indiana Pacers against the Chicago Bulls. We'll take the Tampa Bay Lightning. Sorry, Eddie, to win on the money line against what the Seattle the Kraken. F? We will also take Nashville SC in MLS playoff action to move on against Orlando City. This is the big one because selfishly, I'm in a family and friends pick'em league. I need the Lions minus seven and a half today over the Raiders. So I will also include that in my plays of the day. Eddie, do you have anything? Unfortunately, Jimmy, I do not have any. No sports equinox action? Nothing? Not yet. I haven't had time to dabble into the research, no. Jake, happy sports equinox day. Thank you. Who all are in the MLS playoffs? One more time? Who all are... What are all the clubs still competing in the MLS playoffs? It's a great question. Cincinnati won yesterday, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You have... Orlando, Nashville, Seattle, Dallas, Columbus, Atlanta, the New York Red Bulls, Cincinnati, Sporting KC, St. Louis, Vancouver, and LAFC. Okay. Uh, who are the three teams that didn't make the playoffs this year? That just sounded like, like who's in the playoffs? Well, let me r- rattle off every sp- soccer city in America. Miami didn't make it. You guys better hope, by the way. JMV just walked in studio. You better hope he was not listening. Oh, please don't. Don't do ago. this. What happened? Oh. I'm coming. John, what's the highest rated movie on IMDb? Uh. Okay, we only have a minute and a half. 
Fast Tundra is my high? <laughs> One would think, right? That was a big Oscar Roadhouse? snub. Lady, I, Lady uh, Chatterley's lover. The, the, <laughs> JMV, if Sensuous Nurse. <laughs> if Eddie and I was Andrus. I know all the names, too. Oh, yeah. I was like the, uh, when I was 12 years old, I, I think I was the founding member of the Sylvia Christel fan club from when, Lady Chatterley's when lover. The little, when the little box Emmanuel came up space. Before, before the movie that had BN and SSC, you're like, hell yeah, let's go. I'm, uh, I've seen all the Emmanuel series, both. 70s, 80s, and modern day. I'm impressed. The highest rated movie on IMDb that neither Eddie or Jimmy have seen is The Shawshank Redemption. Really? What's wrong with you guys? How do you not see that? <laughs> you know, that was actually far tamer than I thought. One person in this room, when how they you, heard that you, news, threw their headset and left the room. How do you not see that? No, haven't you not been intrigued? When were you born? 95. That's not. I don't use that as an excuse. I've yeah. seen movies older than me before. So it's it was not, 90, 94. Was 94, yep. Correct. I've never taken the time. So that'd be the equivalent of me... I was born in 69, you know, not watching Planet of the Apes. I watched Planet sure. of the Apes, the original, 1968. I Godfather for me, 72, right? Yeah. So I just, my thing is, the reason I was most stunned is because it's like, it's impossible to avoid. It's like everywhere, right? Everywhere. Especially now. I mean, it was much tougher for us to get music and film and television shows when we were growing up. Now, right. a, a much more calm way of basically what See, I said, right? Yes. I didn't deny I make. I got to make sure I put the hammer down on Jack Esri in the studio before three <laughs> o'clock right here. Young uh, fellas. What, do we, what do we got upcoming, John? We've got Stephen Holden at the five o'clock hour, and uh, I got to bail early for Pacers and Bulls tonight, and... We're probably just going to follow up on the disappointment that the Colts were yesterday, but uh, an all-too-familiar path we have seen here recently. All right. Mm -hmm. and uh, Fun begins next. John and I had a lot of fun on Saturday in Shelbyville, by the way, at Horseshoe Indianapolis. Thanks for having us out. John's up next. We'll talk to you tomorrow at noon.